This is our Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition review podcast. We start off with my initial thoughts on coming back from the cinema. Then there's a considerably more positive 10-minute piece from Eric Jones. Then we hit the main event and Bob Chipman joins myself, Sharon Shaw and Jerome McIntosh to discuss the film in a more meta context, which is what we like doing, including what DC Warner's options are moving forward. Just jump to 40 minutes in to get to part two and 55 minutes in to get to part three. You ready? Here we go. How did you know that name? Okay, this is the first impressions. Literally just got back from the cinema of Batman v Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice, or BVS-DOJ, or Beavis Dodge. Bats v Supes. What would you like to know, Sharon? I, like Sharon did not have the pleasure of seeing this, so she has been at home um, in anticipation of what I would say when we got back. <laughs> uh, did it interest you? I mean, do you want to see it? Um, I think my position is I I want to have seen it. <laughs> it's the same as me. I want um, to have seen it. I don't want to actually see it. Kind of like a tetanus shot. Yeah, but this is a tetanus shot that takes two and a half hours. Yeah. And boy, does it. It's also a tetanus shot where they accidentally jab the needle in far too hard and it breaks off in the bone. Oh, that's not right. Yeah. What Did you expect me to like this? No. Okay. Folks at home, did you expect me to like this? Uh, if the answer was yes, I, I'm Alex Shaw. You may not have heard of me. Um, yeah, basically, the, the odds were all stacking up against me liking this. But against all of those, I went in with... I, what I tried to approximate were no expectations or at least low enough expectations that I wanted. I wanted to like it. Why would I not want to like it? Why would I not want it to be good? I want a good Superman film. We've had some great Batman films, but I want a really good Superman film. And I just figured that adding Batman to the mix and Wonder Woman may just be the chemistry required. But you see, those are some very strong flavors and they require a good chef. Mm. Uh, like a, a gifted chef, frankly, to, to get this work in. So, uh, so what do you want to know, Sharon? Um, right, okay. Well, I did come up with a few questions. Um, okay. I think I have a question for each of the main core characters. Mm-hmm. So that should help. Um, so who would you like to start with? Whichever one you want. Whichever one you want. Oh, okay, oh, right. regarding spoilers, I'll have a spoiler section up later ahead where I'll say, right, go away if you don't want to hear spoilers, and then everything after that will be spoilerific, but we'll save that stuff for, like, the last, the tail end of this. Is that, is that fair? Okay. Everyone yeah. fine with that? Cool, cool. Right, okay. Um, okay, well, let's start with the big guy. Um, my question regarding Superman mm-hmm. was, uh, has Snyder gone with consistency of character for Clark from Man of Steel? So, for example, is he still conflicted about his hero role? Is he still doing that thing where... You know, somebody perceiving him from the outside would be kind of, is he heroic? Is he a little bit edgy? Is he somebody I should possibly be hiding from right now? Yeah, that's the the whole um, crux of what's running through the film is, is Superman a hero or is he here to destroy us? And as far as Batman's concerned, if there's even 1% chance, 1% chance that he could be a danger to us, we must destroy him. Batman's a fascist in this, by the way. If you want Batman's super right wing, your Frank Miller nutjob Batman, your really genuinely dislikable Batman, genuinely dislikable Bruce Wayne, this is your guy. 
Um, but see, here's the thing. I was trying to work out like like where on the Batman scale I've seen this before, and and, and basically, um, uh, he he's pretty much the same as Bruce was in um, uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Like you know, like he he's done the Batman thing. He failed at it and everyone's miserable as a result and you know alfred how many people stayed heroes and you know he's disillusioned and so he's that batman so he's like super you know you know so in other words miserable batman self-pitying batman Right, so he's massively neurotic yeah. about his own inability to be a hero, yeah. and therefore he thinks that means nobody's allowed to be a hero. Mm. But Superman is Batman in Batman Begins, so he's all kind of broken up and he's all kind of like brooding and stuff. So basically Superman in this is Batman, and Batman wearing two suits of armour is double Batman. Now, I, I, I've been saying this for quite a while, but I've been waiting to break that one out. Because it's like, it's not, because uh, I'm double Batman, that's who I'm going to beat you. And oh my god! It's kids in the playground. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna win because I'm Batman. They've, no, I'm gonna win because no. I'm double Batman. Because they've turned Green Arrow into Batman now. They they turned Superman into Batman several years ago, and he's, he's he is pretty consistent with how he was in Man of Steel. He's like mm. like doing that thing that Henry Cavill does, where he sort of stares up slightly to the left and sort of goes, hmm. Ooh, yeah, I'm thinking here. Mm, mm. Yeah, Zach's told me to think. Mm. I like Henry Cavill. He's a likable enough guy. He is not an astonishing on-screen presence, but ultimately he doesn't really have to be to embody Superman. Mm. Um, and <laughs> there was a lot more of the old Supermans, like the old, old Christopher Reeve Supermans than I expected. Like just little hallmarks, little flashes, little bits from that and here and there. And uh, this doesn't really spoil much, folks, but uh, a lot more Superman for the quest for peace than I was expecting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Although he doesn't fly Lois up to space and she breathes, that that okay. would be mental. Mm. But there is okay. some flying up to space and back down again, and then back up yeah. and then back down. <laughs> <sighs> um, okay. So so yeah, so, he is consistent. Yes. Right. Okay. So so the, so who he is in yeah. Man of Steel? It, it doesn't feel like oh what you set him up like this in Man of Steel and now he's all gone different. He's right. no, it's it feels like the sequel to Man of Steel. Right. Okay. And everything that entails. I see. So, but so DC heard that joke about be yourself, and if you can't be yourself, be Batman, <laughs> and applied it to everyone. I'm looking forward to Aquaman being Batman, the Flash being Batman, Cyborg being Batman, and uh, Wonder Woman. Well, more than her in a bit. Mm, okay. Uh, right. Okay. So um, let's let's look at double Batman for a moment then. Um, so <laughs> my, Batman. My question, yeah. So my question with regards to. Batman was, um, is Kevin Smith likely to regret recommending Ben Affleck for Batman, bearing in mind that he'd probably think even comedically bad was still worthwhile? No, um, I actually don't think he's uh, bad. He's just... Okay. And here's the thing. This is not the Batman I want to see, but a lot of people are going to fucking love this guy. A lot of people are going to say, this is my Batman. And all those people complaining about Batfleck, you know, all of the ideas of like cheesy acting, he's, he's committed to it. He's not, you know, this is not the Ben Affleck of 2003. Um, he's not doing the same performance as Daredevil. He is older, he's um, more grim, and he's, he's taken what he's learned from his films. More I, grim I, I, than Daredevil, wow. <laughs> I, I, didn't, be, uh... I didn't like watching him at all, mm. but you know, a lot of people will. Okay. But, you know, I don't like watching Netflix's Daredevil at all. 
but a lot of people do. Okay. It's basically Frank Miller. It's it's that influence, you know. It's, it's, oh, splendid! It's, it's, it's not that Frank Miller. It has, you know, is it, it's that, that that is the tone they're going to. Go, yep, we'll go with that. And ultimately, um, Netflix's Daredevil is more sensitive than Frank Miller, mm. um, uh, you know, has, has put across. And there there is more um, there is more to it than that. But there is definitely his influence felt. I mean, th- if you're going to use one comic writer now in 2016 for you know. To, to kick off one, two, three, four, like, l- way, like loads of premiere characters and set the tone for them. Frank Miller is not the guy I would choose. Mm, I've got to admit, I, I'm see, Frank Miller to me is like barbecue sauce, right? It's a strong-ass it, flavour. It's a strong-ass flavour. It goes great with sausages. <laughs> I see what you did there. You don't want to smother it on Everything. Mm. I'd say I'd say uh, Frank Miller is more like ketchup. Barbecue sauce has a sort of a smokiness to it. It has some mystique. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying Frank Miller lacks mystique? Yes, yes, I am. Okay, right. Okay, so moving on from the inverted commas heroes. <laughs> so, how successful is Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor? Really? Would you classify him more as your classic villain? Or is he more of the modern antagonist type? He's an annoying little twat. I couldn't stand. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg is basically trying. I mean, he's not doing Robert Downey Jr., but he is trying to be this universe's Tony Stark because Bruce Wayne sure as hell isn't going to do it. So right. he's like super eccentric and saying funny things and like tapping people and like messing with them. And I kept thinking about. Why is he allowed to... Oh, he's super rich. He's super, super rich, so he's allowed to behave like this. But he looks like a 12-year-old boy. And it... it, uh, it but he never really talks to anyone that he's not, like, intimidating or bullying. And it just doesn't feel like he's got those connections to really be Lex. I never liked Gene Hackman's Lex. Didn't much like Kevin Spacey's Lex. Clancy Brown is, you know, pinnacle for me. He is fan-bloody-tastic and was for years as Lex Luthor. Uh, and and it would have been nice to get a, a Lex that wasn't like dancing from foot to foot, going ah ha 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 ha! My plans are coming to fruition. There was one weird moment of like 4D where he's just chomping down some Jolly Ranchers, and he shoves a Jolly Rancher into a the, a guy he's talking to's mouth, and he says it's Jerry. And I was eating a. Friggin' Cherry Jolly Rancher at the time. It was like, that's <laughs> weird. You can taste the screen. Did not expect that to happen. But I do like Jolly Ranchers. Okay. So he's he's kind of the... Real that was the best moment of the film for me, by the way. Was it? Oh, my God. So the, the best moment of this eagerly awaited film... Will not in any way affect anybody else. Oh, yeah. It was great. It was Cherry. <laughs> Well, that says a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he's kind of he's kind of Riddler-like then. Yeah, actually, I did think about the Riddler. Yeah, joygasm. Mm. That mm. excellent. Okay. So next, I know what you mean about Clancy Brown though, and it's it seems almost like the DC animated universe has set the bar on so many of these characters mm. so high. Mm it was going to be difficult for them to even come close. <laughs> they haven't tried. This is true. Well, no, no, they, they haven't tried to come close to that. They've, they've done their own thing, and obviously it'll mm. please a lot of people, but not me. 
Next. Okay. Uh, right. Has there been much in the way of character growth for Amy Adams as Lois? Nah. Next. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Amy Adams, Lois is there because our women folk are being put in danger by Lex Luthor. They're being kidnapped left, right, and centre. Martha Kent also gets kidnapped, and it's very important that these men save their women folk. From uh, Lois gets saved from death uh, three, four times. She's basically there to get put in danger so that Superman and uh, and yeah, Superman can save her over and over again. Twas wow. thus and never shall be. Okay. Um, right, okay. Well, then, in, in the hope that there might possibly be a female in this film that, that doesn't fit that particular kidnap victim template, um, this was actually the first question that I wrote down when you told me to think of something. Because it is your first concern. This is basically my first and only concern, frankly, yeah. um, which is really ironic considering that way back in the depths of, of history when all of this was first announced, I was really really underwhelmed at the casting of Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't expecting her to do anything much with it and didn't think it was really going to achieve anything. And now she's pretty much the only thing I'm interested in seeing. So um, we obviously, she's I, as I understand, she's not in it much. Uh, but how well do they seed Wonder Woman as a character for her own movie? They, they show you a photo and say, look, she probably did something a while back. Oh, do you actually want to know about Wonder Woman herself? Couldn't tell you. Yes. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I joked when we'd seen the recent trailer that um, you, you do realize that she is going to be Black Widow in Iron Man 2, right? That uh, basically she's going to turn up at a couple of parties, look really glamorous, say a few mysterious things, walk around and be like, what's, all, what's up with this lady? She's super glamorous and she's got some mystique. And then she'll turn up at the end for a kick-ass fight scene. And uh, then she'll basically seed the Avengers or JLA. Exactly what happened. But further to that, um, this movie is Iron Man 2. But without the whimsy, without the charm of Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and everything that happens in Iron Man 2, um, it's got... Justin Hammer is Lex Luthor, the scheming industrialist. Mm-hmm. He sets up his, ooh, I'm going to get a big thing that's going to really wreck Iron Man. Um, Superman has to answer for his incredible power, same as Iron Man. And um, then he ends up having a great big fight with that guy in the sort of dark grey suit, who should be his buddy but isn't. And they have a horrible fight inside. The main fight, this isn't really a spoiler, it basically takes place in a dark toilet. Everyone's like, oh, it's going to be the... Lex himself says it's going to be the gladiator battle of the century. No. Remember that bit in The Matrix where Morpheus gets the shit beaten out of him by Agent Smith in the toilet? Yeah. It's basically that. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, Iron Man fighting War Machine. Only that was a fun fight. Um, and then at the end, they all team up together to deal with Justin Hammer's um, lackeys. And uh, like, rather than it just being... Uh, Rhodey and uh, Tony um, shooting all the drones. It's uh, Superman and Batman dealing with a uh, um, big thing. And uh, and uh, rather than just dealing with some security guards, Wonder Woman chips in and, and sort of helps with the big thing. And then they uh, there is a much more dramatic turn than Iron Man 2 takes after that. Mm-hmm. I'll put that in the spoiler section. Um, but your basic structure here is, look, Justice League is going to be good. Same as everyone accused... 
Iron Man 2 of saying, look, Avengers is going to be good. We're just going to, you know, mark time on the vine while, uh, while you wait for that to happen. Um, Iron Man 2 is a very watchable movie for me. Uh, this is a, this is an unwatchable movie. For me. Oh shit! So I guess we're not going to be going to see it together then. Nah, if you want to go see this, um, <laughs> it's your ten pounds. I was just about to say this doesn't sound like something I want to spend ten pounds yeah. on. Back to Gal Gadot. Uh, she is the, the 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 bit where she comes in. Can we go to the spoiler section actually? Because I think is there anything else that you need to ask which doesn't pertain to spoilers? Uh, that was my that was my questions. So okay, um, I'm ready to move on. Right. So spoilers after this music. Dee, 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 dee. The big thing is that Lex Luthor cloned, uh, cloned uh, like added his own blood to, uh, I don't know, oh God, so, um, at this exact same time, by the way, Batman points a laser at a thing and science comes out and he makes like, <laughs> <laughs> it's the bit where Tony makes his element basically and science comes out of this laser and, uh, but Batman's trying to synthesize kryptonite. And um, use it for weapons. And uh, the the, oh the God, fight between you said and, that didn't you? Exactly. The fight between him and Superman is basically uh, Superman. Uh, well, Superman doesn't want to fight Batman, but Batman is super pissed because at the very very beginning, um, oh, I forgot to mention at the very very beginning. Uh, it starts with um, the death of the, the Waynes, Bruce's parents, and for, at the point when Martha Wayne dies. That they weren't content with this being really starkly realized, sort of a man, a desperate man, Joe Chill. Um, at, from Bruce's point of view, it's just a shadowy figure. He hooks the gun underneath Martha Wayne's pearls, his enormous gun dick, and then fires it into her face. And she oh. falls backwards in slow motion with pearls scattering over her, the semen from his gun cock, as she splatters to the ground. Ooh. And then... Um, uh, Thomas Wayne turns to her and rather than saying, Bruce, don't be afraid, because that would be a an excellent film, um, he goes, Martha, because Zack Snyder and David Goyer noticed that Martha Wayne and Martha Kent share the same name. Uh, remember that one, sweetheart, because it's very important. Um, Batman decides he's uh, yeah immediately after that there's 9-11 imagery up the wazoo as we go back to the end of man of steel when uh, uh metropolis is falling and um <laughs> bruce wayne drives fast to wayne towers to try to stop everyone like he he phones up and says everyone get out of the building and like even though 9-11 times a thousand is going on in metropolis they hadn't worked out to do that until bruce wayne told them to Brilliant. and then a buddy of his basically stays behind for no reason. And so that when the tower comes crashing down, which is like, no, my buddy, I think I gave him a name like 10 seconds ago. And then he stops a little girl from getting killed. And it's like, Superman, you've blown this place to sky high. Oh, I'm so angry at you. And one thing leads to another. And most of the first two thirds of the film, is just like sort of, Oh, I'm really angry at Superman. He's a, Oh, like the, the trailer told you everything about that, but, um, they never mentioned the kryptonite in the trailer. Uh, there's a, a kryptonite thing fell out of the ship after all of their trying to not use kryptonite in man of steel. They kind of did it anyway with the Kryptonian atmosphere. It's the same thing. It's the same thing as kryptonite, but they didn't actually bring out the green rocks in this. They brought out the green rocks so that, uh, Lex could get it. Then Batman steals it from Lex. 
and then he makes a bunch of weapons with it. Uh, and Lex gets Superman to fight Batman by kidnapping Martha Wayne, Martha Stewart, Martha Kent, and um, saying, I'm literally going to fry your mother alive in 20 minutes if you don't kill Batman. That's the stakes of the fight. So Superman goes there to, to fight with Batman in his bat armor. Why does Batman have that un- faceplate uncovered? Why isn't he just fully Iron Manned up? Because if he doesn't have the faceplate uncovered, because it's vulnerable. Like, all that Superman has to do is go, like, and then zap him in the fucking mouth. But he doesn't, because he's Superman. And um, so they fight, and Superman, like, has a... Sorry, I'm... Uh, sorry, Bat... <laughs> this is how confusing it is. We've seen so many comic book movies, so many better comic book movies. This just feels like like a, a, a boy smashing action figures together. Um, so yeah, Batman's laid a bunch of traps and, ah, oh, Batman's the best because he's always the most prepared. He's the most prepared for everything. Who could, you uh, know, it's, it's the, the, the answer to who would win in a fight between Batman and Superman is the most boring question in comic books. Because if you're talking and there's a Batman fan in the room, he won't accept that there is even a possibility that Superman might win. And I was thinking, well, it's, it's a stupid question anyway, because ultimately it'll end in a stalemate and then they'll team up and, and fight uh, Doomsday. And it doesn't end in a stalemate. Basically, Batman sets so many traps, sets off so many kryptonite bombs, that he basically, you know, he, he cheats his way through to, well, I say cheat, he uses his advantages and his incredible technology, his incredible fortune to being able to just basically splatter Superman, punches the shit out of it, like punching him over and over again. So when, remember that fight between Thor and Tony in Avengers, when you're like, oh God, this is so awesome. It's not that at all. It's like, oh God, stop punching him. Leave him alone. Jesus Christ, Batman. And then Superman hits Batman a bit. Lyra and I have staged this fight, by the way. Okay. Um, Imagine Superman's at one end of the room, Batman's at the other, and then they're about to go run and punch each other. Everyone seems to forget how incredibly fast Superman is. He's flash fast, okay? So imagine, if you will, Batman very, very, very slow motion punching and Superman going, and stepping slightly to one side, just like Quicksilver in X-Men Days of Future Past, and then just just tweaking Batman's wrist and slowly moving his fist forwards to hit his own face, and then we cut back to normal speed and Batman knocks himself the fuck out. Superman is super fucking fast. And initially he gets kryptonited, but then the kryptonite wears off and they're punching the shit out of each other. In which case Superman would use his super speed and go, right, this is done, okay? And laser Batman's head off. Or not, because ultimately he's got to do it to save his mum. Or he could just go, Batman, no time to explain, got to go save my mum. And uh, he doesn't. And eventually, basically, Batman is about to impale him on a harpoon of kryptonite because he beat him. Because he's Batman. Because I'm Batman! I'm so fucking sick of this unbeatable comic book Batman. So sick of him. Uh, And then Lois Lane comes in. And before he does... Superman goes, Martha. And he's like, where did you know that name? And that's the thing that stops him. And basically then they team up and it's like, oh my God, we've got it, blah, 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 blah. And then it rushes forwards and then he goes in. A nuclear man comes out, which is uh, Gene Hackman's um, little, I think his name was Frank Pillow or something like that. Because he made him out of a clone of himself or Superman's DNA and his own DNA or something like that. In this case, it's General Zod. They they, they got made a full body rubber cast of the guy who played General Zod, that really boring fellow who's just unpleasant to watch in every film. Michael Shannon. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, they, they seem to just make a giant rubber Michael Shannon. They wheel it all over the place during this film. And eventually it ends up being turned into, like, they, 
Lex like splatters his own blood on Michael Shannon's rubber face and then puts him in the machine and science happens and what comes out is basically a grey hulk and then Doomsday oh god it's it's just a fight it's just a big big fight big big fight and it ends up with Superman flying up into space and then like you know then the humans launching missiles and Superman sort of flies up and he's holding on to Grey Hulk because he doesn't want um, Grey Hulk to smash up the city and then he sort of turns around and then the missiles coming towards him and Superman just goes Superman no he doesn't because that's the Iron Giant a fucking brilliant film no, um, it explodes and then he ends up all white and all horrible and disheveled like he was in Superman 4 as uh, Frank Pillow's um, nuclear man falls to Earth and then Batman goes, I've got to get him to follow me back to the kryptonite thingy. And then Alfred, played by Jeremy Irons, with one eighteenth the charm of Michael Caine, I might add. I, it was so boring watching Jeremy Irons just chew through the Alfred lines. It says, oh, okay, sir, we've got to, we've got to get you to the, uh, the kryptonite thingy but rather than going why don't you go get the kryptonite thingy bring it back here and stab him with it it's like i've got to get him to chase me and then the only good bit of the whole film comes in now when he met when batman bruce wayne met wonder woman at a party earlier she was all exotic and uh, she was oh mr Wen, you're really spoiling us with this reception and <laughs> Uh, then she turns up again, and then they email each other. It's like, sup, sup, want to perform a Justice League? I sure do. And then when uh, General Zod slash Doomsday slash Nuclear Man um, is about to kill Batman with his eye beams, then boom, Wonder Woman comes down and blocks them with her bracelets. Hans Zimmer has gone all out with this Wonder Woman theme. It's like... And um, it's like, yay, kind of. I mean, I guess Wonder Woman's there. I mean, she's a third stringer in a battle between two extremely famous men. And she's there, and she, she does get to sort of slash at him a bit with a sword, but she's just there. Ultimately, the fight could actually have been done. Like, if you just CGI'd Wonder Woman out, mm. there's a, just and a few frames in which she actually affects the action. Like, there, at one point, to kill Doomsday, they have to... Um, Superman has to go get the uh, the kryptonite rod because, of course, Batman couldn't. It has to be Superman has to go and get the kryptonite rod. Couldn't be Wonder Woman who goes to get that. It has to be Superman, the only man who's weak to this, to go get the kryptonite rod. Also saving Lois Lane from drowning as he's doing so. Just like sort of, oh, yeah, you're drowning again. I, what's going to happen to you after I'm dead, uh, Lois? I have no idea. Then he flies it back. Wonder Woman's holding down uh, Doomsday with a golden lariat. And um, Batman, I think he shoots him with some more kryptonite because he's got a gun. Did I mention Batman has guns? Batman's capping people left, right, and center in this. He is killing thugs all over the place. He's not Daredevil. He's the Punisher in this. Oh, God. Batman kills and doesn't feel a thing. And there are going to be people who love this Batman. And like, finally, Batman is doing what fascists should do, deciding, uh, as well as branding criminals which even alfred goes well, steady on bruce and at the end he's about to brand uh lex luther but he doesn't like he doesn't burn him with his bat mark <laughs> we didn't burn him we didn't burn him um so yeah superman flies the uh the kryptonite rod straight into the heart of doomsday who like goes and there's a big kryptonite explosion and superman gets stabbed through the heart with bone claws because he's also the abomination from the end of the incredible hulk um and then superman because of the kryptonite has been stabbed through the heart and so superman's de- oh my god superman's dead oh my god superman is dead can you believe it folks superman is dead 
How it's are we going to do the Justice League now? Oh no, Sharon, Superman is dead. Superman is dead. Just like in the death and return of Superman. Superman is dead. And the world goes, why? Why did we say we hated Superman? Obviously, he's really nice. And then they bury him in Kansas and they play Amazing Grace. And then so they throw dirt on his grave and Batman goes, Sup, Wonder Woman. She goes, oh, we must form a Justice League. You must help me find the Aquaman who's in it for like, like there's, there's file footage of Aquaman Flash in Cyborg. Um, <laughs> like on the Wonder Woman watches on her computer like she's looking at YouTube. And um, she's like, we must go and we must fight. And yes, I am Wonder Woman. <laughs> she's, I don't think she's French. She's Israeli. But she's got this lovely exotic accent. And uh, you know what? Um, I'm not going to be one of those guys who rejects her and goes, she's not my Wonder Woman. In the same way that I'm rejecting this Batman. uh, Because she's the only Wonder Woman. Neither am I going to be the one who goes, yeah, she's Wonder Woman. She's awesome. Kick ass. Yeah. She's still got to prove herself in Wonder Woman. But right now, she is the Wonder Woman I tolerate because I don't really have that much of a say in it. (laughs) It's it's really not up to me in this. You know, she, she is Wonder Woman, the first headlining female superhero of any merit um so glad she turned up as a third stringer in a cameo in a film about two white rich men doing things and superman may not be rich you know he's got fortress of solitude i think he drags the titanic to it so he may not he may not be cash rich but he's certainly land rich (laughs) he's like this is my for my collection or something maybe he's helping a boat it's not really made clear the film ambles along and meanders and meanders, and I don't like anything about it. I don't like it as much as I like The Dark Knight, because The Dark Knight is absolutely brilliant. I don't like it as much as Batman Begins, as Dark Knight Rises. I don't like it as much as Man of Steel, because Man of Steel has two moments. Well, one moment of really, you know, that's really, really nice, which is um, uh, Diane Lane as uh, Martha Kent. The world's too big, Mom. Then make it small. Listen to my voice. That's a lovely moment in Man of Steel. And then when he finally flies in Man of Steel. That is pure joy on film. Well done, Zack Snyder. That is pure joy on film. There is no pure joy on film in this film. That at least... I mean, we watched Man of Steel the other day, and we pretty much turned the sound down for the last half. Basically, once General Zod turns up, it's just fight after fight, after explosion, after boring, after people talking with the military in a battleship grey setting, and it's boring as all hell. It is a boring, difficult-to-watch movie that is boring to watch. Batman v Superman is more boring. It is more depressing. I have no interest in ever seeing it, or even really ever talking about it again. Kind of like Sucker Punch. I don't really want to talk about it that much. I'm going to let you guys talk during the uh, the podcast. I think I'm going to put this on the podcast as well, you know, because it's worth getting what I have to say done there. Yeah. And then it finishes, and Lois throws some dirt on Superman's coffin, and then just before the credits roll, the dirt starts to slowly rise up. Could Superman be alive? Of course he's alive. Justice League. What's the point? What's the point in playing the death and return of Superman on us? I mean... I get it, but I, I, like, I would have preferred to see the world react to that in this film and go, thank God he's back. Like they did in, well, I mean, you know, basically they played the Death and Return of Superman in Superman Returns. Way better film than this. Batman, the one with Jack Nicholson. It's got Jack Nicholson in it. It's got Michael Keaton in it. It's 
got <laughs> it's got the Prince soundtrack in it. It's got a Danny Elfman score. That's great. Yeah, lovely. I mean, it's, 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 I, I don't like the film that much by today's standards, but I prefer it to Batman v Superman. Batman Returns got Michelle Pfeiffer acting like a total nutbag. It's got Christopher Walken going. Actually, it's a lot like that. It's got Danny DeVito going. I wish I could fill her void. Better for me than Batman v Superman. Batman Forever. Fuck Batman Forever. <laughs> And Batman and Robin, I kind of feel sorry that they went so camp and then the pendulum swung back so violently because it swung back so hard it hit Superman in the nuts and killed him. Oh, God. And it hit, then it swung and hit Batman in the nuts and made him so angry that um, the only t- I mean, uh, the only hope we have is Lego Batman the movie because that it's all about Batman being lonely. I can't wait to see that. But this. I have, like, if this is the tone for the rest of the Justice League films, at the moment where I'm on the Limitless card, I would gladly see all these films with my Limitless card, just just to say, you know, what I thought of them. But if I'm actually paying £10 a time for them, I have no interest in actually splashing out on these films. Mm. At all. And ultimately, it was like, oh, I'm so tired of, of hearing that Marvel do things right. Marvel, Marvel, Marvel. You know what? Marvel do things right for me. And a lot of other people. And I love what they do. I really do. They seem to really have it down. And I could maybe maybe Civil War will thoroughly disappoint everyone. And so will maybe Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and Avengers Infinity. I mean, Doctor Strange may actually suck. Um, it's, it's from the director of uh, horror movies that are not fantastic. But relative to what Warner Brothers ha- have done with Man of Steel, did with The Dark Knight Rises, and have done with this... I'm not afraid for the future. I'm not like, oh my god, they're going to ruin Superman. He, he's ruined. <laughs> Pretty like Superman's going to outlive everyone, so the bright Superman may eventually come back, but it's going to be a long dark patch. And Batman's going to be like this for a long time on one hand, but then they also have to market him to kids. So thank goodness for Lego Batman. And when we get Wonder Woman, it's just a damn shame that we we aren't going to get a Wonder Woman shot in color. Because she's, uh, she actually looks like a beautiful model cosplaying as Wonder Woman. Exactly like I thought she would be from seeing her in the picture. And yeah. she is. She's a beautiful model cosplaying as Wonder Woman. She never made me think, that's Wonder Woman. You know, but like I said, I'll, I'll tolerate Gal Gadot. I don't really have much choice in the matter. It's like, like everyone else, you know, I, I tolerated Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. <laughs> you know, I, I liked him in, in, in some capacity, but... Um, it's it's not like um, who's unbearable in a certain role. I think Christian Bale as Batman by the end was unbearable. His version of the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. So uh, you know I'm, I'm glad that's gone and done. Um, and I don't know. Feasibly Ben Affleck could be in a different Batman. You know what? Suicide Squad. God. And the other thing is, I kept wishing for Deadpool to show up. Because everyone's so fucking serious throughout this whole film. Mm. You wanted the strains of XCOM, give it to you to start coming in. Yes. <laughs> yes. I. You know what? Deadpool this year, followed by Civil War. You know, Marvel Comics seem to have seem to have it down. Don't know about X Men Apocalypse. I have to see with that one. But uh, yeah, also Doctor Strange. So looking forward to that. Uh, next one, Wonder Woman on the slate, I believe. Um, I'll still I'll, I'll watch that happily, but I guess it's kind of like uh, 
<laughs> I guess it's kind of like, um, yeah, you know what? Actually, it's like seeing Captain America the First Avenger after Iron Man 2, if only Captain America had turned up in his future self in uh, Iron Man 2. You know, because mm, that's, yeah. that, you know, it's going to be set during World War One. And oh, there's another, there's a really weird sequence. And it's a mess, by the way, I might as well add it. It's not just boring. It's all over the place. There's so many plots and subplots and sub subplots. And there's a jar of piss called Grandma's Peach Tea. I'm, I kid you not. That's actually a character in this film. What? Yeah. You're going to have to see it to understand what the hell that means. But everyone who's seen it is like, yeah, what was that about? <laughs> but um, there's a bit where Batman has a weird dream where he like, he's like Batman in the Gulf. And he finds, like, some what should be kryptonite. And then a bunch of super Nazis turn up. And he's fighting all these, like, super Nazis with Superman patches on them. It's like a dark vision of the future where Superman's gone nuts and, like, enslaved the world. So all that, that bit in the, in the like, second trailer where he unmasks Batman. That was all a dream mm. sequence. Um, Batman's being wrestled to the ground and he's in a coat by the super Nazis. That's all just a dream. That's a possible future. But uh, then what looks like Cyborg comes through a time hole and goes, Bruce, Bruce, you were right, blah, blah, blah. I can't remember exactly what he said, but you were right, seeding the next few films. This happened. Superman was blah, 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 and he was always going to turn bad. So I suppose that might be Justice League Dark. And it did not belong in this film. At all. It complicates things so much. It would have been so much better if they just had a straightforward Superman light, but Batman can't see it. Batman dark, trapped in the shadow. They clash over ideals, and Superman has a genuine stake in it. He doesn't really want to fight Batman, but Batman's going to make him. You know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of different things that could have happened with this. And ultimately, this, you know, what this really is, is a grimy punch up in a toilet. And it takes three hours and it's boring and it's exhausting. And often those two are the same things. Mm. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Anything else you want to know? Um, I, I, you've, you've made me want to know less about it, frankly. Um, I, yeah, don't know at what point I'm going to see this then, because this, this is sounding like a wait till it comes out on Netflix kind of thing. No, it won't be on Netflix. They don't put WB stuff on Netflix. You wait mm. to see Man of Steel on Netflix, that ain't happening. Good point. I don't want to buy it on DVD. No. I mean, maybe, we'll be, maybe we'll buy it in, uh, in UV code. Yeah, and when it gets down to a couple of quid. Yeah, like four, four quid I'd pay for this for you to see again. Mm. Uh, you know. But, like, give us some time. And also, I kind of... It would probably be better to see it just before Wonder Woman. Because then you'd be like, mm. ugh. Oh, still, Wonder Woman's coming out next week, so we could see it then. Yeah, you know? Like, it's sort of like, this is the appetizer. Unfortunately, it's an appetizer in a trough full of pig swill and knives. And you've got to eat it all. Wonderful. Appetizer for destruction, you might say. And, and broken glass... And baby shit. Wow. Sounds um, brilliant. I would say it's worse than Batman and Robin and Batman Forever. It's, you know, that's the thing. I'm not saying it's worse than Batman or Batman Returns. I think I, it, it's just a case that I prefer Batman Returns. Mm. I don't prefer Batman Forever or Batman uh, and Robin. Ugh. But that ain't saying anything. Okay. Let's just... Let's just put this out, shall we? Right. <laughs> 
Um, thank you very much, Sharon. This has been uh, an absolute pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a lie. <laughs> uh, it is. <laughs> It, it was uh, it was a misery, but at least I've had my tetanus jab now. I've got my lollipop, my Jolly Rancher, my Cherry Jolly Rancher, and uh, and we can move on and watch Civil War, and that will be good. Don't show me the trailer for Civil War before Batman v Superman, guys. <laughs> <laughs> You're just setting yourself up to fail, then, really, aren't you? Yeah. I'm not here to defend the film Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. It doesn't need it from me. It doesn't need my protection. It doesn't need my defense. Regardless of what box office it makes, if it makes a billion dollars or if it flopped utterly with a total of five dollars, it doesn't need my protection. Warner Brothers, DC Entertainment, Zack Snyder, all three of these entities have more money than I'll ever have. This is not about shouting down the other side of the audience. This is not about me trying to prove that I'm right and those who dislike this film are wrong. It's not about me trying to prove critics right or wrong. This isn't about me trying to change minds. This is about experience. And not just everybody's experience, but only my experience. And for some reason, after seeing this film and leaving the theater, a film that is, to say the least, is certainly divisive and polarizing. I left that theater in a way where I saw myself reflected back at me. And in other ways, I saw the world reflected back at me. This film, Batman vs. Superman, is unlike anything I've ever seen. Not just in terms of the movie itself, but in terms of impact and reception. It seems to have caused a rift unlike any of I've ever seen whether it's as a fan of comics or as a lover of cinema as the reviews came out and each one further took a hit on the quality of the film lots of people took to the internet and to social media to voice their opinions there were some that felt that the reception that the film would receive critically was inevitable They all had questions and concerns about the production and issues with the marketing that to some felt it left nothing to the imagination. Some of those also had questions about director Zack Snyder, who they still have concerns over ever since working on Man of Steel, the previous film in this DC extended universe that's also pretty divisive and polarizing. On the other hand, you have people at another extreme. You have people calling the the reviews an anti-DC, an anti-Zack Snyder. These, These 
people were paid by Disney and by Marvel and calling it a smear campaign. Well, while there's nothing new under the sun for audiences to disagree with critics. And this was before people actually went to see it. Once the general audiences began to see the film, more divides began to come up. You have those who like it and those who did not like it. You have those who made it into a DC versus Marvel uh, uh, campaign. You know, you have those that liked it and those that claim that, well, if you did not like, if you liked it or if you didn't like it, you are not a true fan of comics or a true fan of cinema or a true fan of Batman or a true fan of Superman. In the midst of all this venom and vitriol going back and forth on the internet, there just stands me. One man. I'm a fan of both Batman and Superman. I'm a fan of both DC and Marvel. I was so eager for this universe to begin. Now, for me, when it comes to negative reviews for blockbuster films, I can judge for myself if that's something I'm interested in or not. So even though the critics were giving it a heavy beating, it didn't make any difference to me. I was going to go see it anyway. Those type of reviews don't phase me. I go into movies like this to be entertained first and foremost. But this time I walked out just more than entertained. One of the most controversial decisions made with BVS is the depiction of its two title characters. Now, personally for myself, I never take issue with any interpretation of a character or a a book or anything regardless of how controversial it may be I think that's because I don't necessarily hold an ideal image of what said characters are in my head and sometimes I wonder as a comic fan because I don't hold Batman and Superman in this light have I been doing it wrong as a comic fan this is just some of the things that you know I think about Superman and Batman both in this movie in ways are both unsure of themselves. They're both unsure of what they should do. Batman on his end feels powerless once he sees what Superman can do. Superman questions, does he have a place in the world? The world is split on him. You know, he's loved and he's hated. Bruce Wayne is bitter and angry. And now he's come into contact with someone who can wipe out the human race. And in a way, both of them act towards each other out of fear. I felt this range of emotions myself. Growing up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I've seen and experienced things sometimes that question your role in the world and your place in society and how you look on society in general. You know, when you're growing up as an introverted individual in an aggressive, bustling urban city, it can be overwhelming sometimes. I felt this as a teenager. I sometimes still feel it as a married adult. You know, sometimes I don't want a cynical view, but sometimes I just fear that I may not be the man that I possibly should be. 
And then we get to the climax of the film, the title bout. And as we have Batman prepare to kill Superman with a kryptonite spear, Superman pleads for him to save his mother, Martha. Martha, being the name of Bruce Wayne's mother, questions him as to why did he say that name? And he keeps asking him, why did he say that name? And in comes Lois Lane, who tells him that Martha is his mother. And in that moment, Bruce no longer sees this man as an alien, but as a man, a human with a family and people who love him. And all it took was a moment. It didn't come easy. If you aren't a fan of the film story structure, you know, it may not have come clean. Whether you thought this moment like me was poignant or if you thought Snyder handled it ham-fistedly awful. But what it was, as I said, was a moment. I feel that Bruce had a had the more visible transformation after that moment. And then Clark, who will have that moment later, Clark then takes it upon himself to sacrifice himself to save Metropolis during the doomsday battle. And in that moment, he becomes the Superman that we all are familiar with, that we all know, that we all love. In that moment, he truly is the Man of Steel. You know, so that brings me to a quote from his father, Jor-El, back in the film Man of Steel. My insecurities are part of my stumble. My hesitations and doubts, they're a part of my fall. Yet in this world with so much cynicism and so much darkness that this film does portray sometimes we only just need a moment just one moment and it may not have come easily it may have took a while but all you need is a moment and sometimes that alone can just begin to change everything Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice it's not the best movie I've ever seen it's not even the best superhero film I've ever seen what it is to me however is special special for presenting the world as it is and through all of the bad just giving me a moment to see that it will be all right the ideal of batman and superman that i never held i actually received only speaking for myself although these are not the batman and superman that the world generally knows i got the Batman and Superman at this time that I needed. You know you're here. You can come out. It's like this, Bruce. Sooner or later, somebody's gonna ask me to bring you in. Someone with authority. When that happens... When that happens, Clark, be the best man win. Bruce, I think it's time we put our differences aside and 
work together. Why? I... What? I mean... Why? You're Batman. Yeah. And I have no special powers. I'm basically just rich and nuts. Rich and nuts. Bruce, your scientific mind alone... is completely useless. But we have a man that bullets literally bounce off of. Your fighting skills. My main nemesis is Bane. Basically just a roided out jock with a gas mask. And he straight up broke my back. You could have taken him down with one hand. And with the other hand, you could have just jerked him. Super jerk. It's just... I don't... You're cool. <laughs> okay. I get it. You're having an image problem. Don't be ridiculous. I'm Superman. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking white bread. You're boring. Look at you in your stupid outfit. My father gave me this outfit. And your dad's dead. Get over your dead parents already. Didn't your parents die? Don't bring it up. I was a boy. Now I'm a bad. I'm sorry. My suit is cool, because I made it myself, daddy's boy. You got a stupid S on your chest, in case we could forget who you are. It's my people's symbol for hope. Hope starts with an H, stupid. Okay, you, okay, stop. Face it, you're late. You're wearing eye makeup. Fuck you. I didn't just inherit my abilities from a different fucking atmosphere. This air makes me strong. You fucking nerd with your nerd hair. Batman, Superman, I saw the bat signal. What's going on? Commissioner Gordon, Batman and I were discussing a partnership. Wait, but why? That's what I said. Yeah, that seems completely unnecessary. Right? I've been dealing with you lunatics for about a decade, and this is, I can't believe it, I'm gonna say this, I'm in total agreement with Batman. Feels good. Why are you guys being this way? Somebody's gotta tell you, man. You're boring. Pretty lame. Even your alter ego, I mean, I picked, like, 1970s Hugh Hefner. You picked, like, a, one of the Newsies. Yeah, what is up with that? I didn't base my alter ego off of the musical Newsies. Which Newsie did you base Clark Kent off of? Was it crutchy? I'm not crutchy. Getting a strong feeling that it was crutchy. I'm not crutchy. And I'd prefer if we didn't discuss my alter ego around the commissioner. Take it easy, crutchy. I know that you're Clark Kent. What? Um, newsflash. It takes a little more than wearing a hat and or glasses to fool people. Really? Check this out. Watch. Uh-oh. I'm someone else. Are you fooled? I'm not Commissioner Gordon. He's gone. Who are you? Where's Commissioner Gordon? Oh, you're back. Commissioner, there was someone else. Superman, you saw him. There was another man. Okay, okay, okay. okay. He's hiding in the shadows. The man's gone. You know what? Screw you guys. Just, just forget it. You know, all this lameness might be one of the reasons why you've never been able to Seal the deal with Lois Lane. Ooh, leave her out of this. She's always just throwing that brassy, sassy news reporter poon in your face. Like, hey, this just in. Put this just in me. Stop. What's the point of being the man of steel if you don't know how to use all that metal? Hit it. Enough! You're adorable. Yeah. What are you gonna do, sweetie? Bonus with your magic eyes? That'd be a first. You always use it for something lame, like cutting through an iceberg or heating up an old woman's porridge. 
Is that soup too cold, madam? I'd use that stuff to take off Bane's arm. Stop it! I came here to team up, not to be berated. Hey, Clark. Guess what I'm doing under the cape? Use your x-ray vision. I'll save you the trouble. I'm giving you the bird. What's this mean on Krypton? Gratitude? Ouch! Goodbye! What a dick. Yeah. The letter S is also the symbol for hope on my planet. I'm glad they're dead. Wow. Where is the commissioner? Do it! Oh, you're back. And I hate you again. Yeah. I'm confused easily. Welcome to School of Movies. <laughs> Batman v Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice. That's how it starts. The fever. The rage. The feeling of powerlessness. That turns good men. Cruel. For this part of our extended BBS coverage, we are delighted to welcome back Bob Chipman to the show. Hello, Bob. Hey, how's it going? We are great. Thank you. We've just moved house. I'm now in my first proper office since back when this show was Digital Cowboys. I'm so happy about that. Before, I've, I've been Skyping out of kitchens for years, but now I'm in an office. Very chuffed. So uh, Bob was on a trio of episodes that we've put out over the past three years, which all bear some uncanny relevance to what we're discussing today, including one on angry fan responses. Specifically, I seem to remember we, we cited the whole re- reaction to the Green Lantern thing when everyone went, was it Hal's Super Army Soldiers or something like that? Uh, oh, Hal's Emerald Action Team, yeah. Hal's Emerald Action Heat. They brought the heat yeah. to DC. Um, and uh, I mean, this, other things were discussed, including the end of Mass Effect 3 and uh, the reactions to that. But there's been some angry fan responses back and forth uh, over this particular film in the past week. Uh, the second one was the Amazing Spider-Man 2 show, where we all speculated on Sony collaborating with Marvel to reboot yet again. And in the uh, subsequent years, that has come to pass. Uh, then last year, uh, Bob was on our show on the seven most important superhero movies, and hey, it's debatable now that this might maybe be on the list. Even if you hate it, this is going to have an influence. Even if, like Batman and Robin, which you brought to the party, Bob, it becomes the apex of a tonal pendulum swing. It just might be like, this was the darkest it got, and then it started swinging back. Or maybe they could go darker. Mm-hmm. Let's see. All of those episodes are fascinating, so once you're done here, go listen to them too. Also with us is Jerome McIntosh of Game Burst, who has appeared on dozens of episodes of our show over the years, always ready with enthusiastic insight. Hello, Jerome. Good day, sir. Hello, Jerome. 
Okay, so I've just, uh, I haven't got essay material. I have got a bunch of talking points. So I'm just going to throw these out there and I will, I will try to shut up for a bit because I really, I really want to hear what you guys have got to say on this one. So, um, but we're going to start with Bob because we both put out video reviews on the first weekend and you got 10 minutes of just. I mean, I'm an unapologetic proponent of the superhero movie. The genre has yielded enough genuinely great works during its relatively brief run at the pinnacle of international popular culture so as to forgive a lot of its missteps, and I firmly believe that it offers tremendous artistic and cultural value to those who would take advantage of it. Superheroes can make us laugh, give us catharsis, embody our fantasies, challenge our perceptions, and give mythic weight to political metaphor. Sadly, they can also be stupid, ugly, wrong-headed, intellectually offensive, and boring. And sometimes, they can be all that and more. And that's when you wind up with a movie like Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice a malignant, pus-bleeding cancer on the ass of its own genre. I'm trying to work out whether you were angry over this or Pixels. Which, which was it? I, I, I think I was angry over Pixels. I was in a pretty dark place in my life when I did the, the, the Pixels one anyway. I think when it comes to like the, the video reviews and the tone, what a lot of people, I, I think, don't assume when they listen to those is you might not on another day say exactly what you said but the feeling would be the same mm-hmm. you know on another day in another lifetime i may not have used you know gone the string of profanity route when talking about pixels yeah but you know on on the day that that i did that that's where i would still say that it sucked and and that it's there but there's there is a performative element to mm. a lot of this and the uh the one for batman versus superman i can we just call it versus? I'm so sick of of sounding yeah. out V. I've, I've been calling it yeah, V, but we'll just that's fine. The the whole thing is just so stupid. But the the review for that was I I was angrier at Pixels. I think just because Pixels is a worse movie. Hmm. I mean, like flat out top down, Pixels is a worse movie. It's ineptly made on on top of everything else. You know, this one is is bad, but it's also hugely disappointing and a drag. Mm. Like I was I was engaged with Pixels because I was actively angry. You know, every minute of that movie, I was I like I was upright, fully conscious in my chair going, I can't believe what's happening. I can't believe what I'm seeing. I can't believe this is a movie with this for huge. Like, I think one of the reasons everyone remembers the jar of piss is the movie has been going for a solid hour and nothing interesting has happened. <laughs> and then yeah. you sit up and go, what? And then you Am go, I drunk? Oh, hey, that, like, I slipped it's, into it's, slumberland at this point. Which is not helped yeah, by the I, fact that there's so many dream sequences. You're like, hang on, what? Yeah, I, ooh, there's, I, I feel like, like, this is fascinating to discuss now. I really want to, I want a time machine so that I can leap ahead two years mm. when everyone's not NDA has gone up. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, find out exactly what happened on this movie because there's just no way that everyone who's saying, no, yes, this was absolutely my vision. This is exactly what I wanted this to be in the script phase. This is what I wanted my performance to be. This is what, there's no way that this is not a movie like Batman and Robin that fell apart from an overabundance of studio notes. Meddling, and I believe I coined the phrase for uh, Wild Wild West, it was multi-buggered. In that, uh, just enough fingers got into it that it was just a mess by the end. I didn't actually hasn't Snyder come out and said, you know, a, a year ago there was a film that I wanted to make in in this, and now it is what it is, or something like that. Sharon, did you did you read that? I can't remember what the source was, but uh, there was some indication that he was claiming that his cut mm. was 
really, really good, but nobody would ever see it. Because that sounds like what Josh Trank said over Fantastic, which we saw today, and is the most pointless superhero movie I've ever seen. I had never seen it, and then when I finished watching, it, I was like, "Have I seen it?" It just it just felt like a long trailer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, before we lay into it with even more detail, because ultimately, as you, you you're right, when you I did mine just after having come back from it. I would imagine you did yours just like within the, a day or so of, of just having come back from it. So it was still raw. Yeah. M- m- like maybe now in retrospect, it might slightly might have started to subside, and maybe some of the good stuff would have come to the top. Should we start positive? Is there was there anything that we liked about this film in retrospect? Go for it. Um. <laughs> okay. There's there's one small part. I'm assuming we can jump straight into spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, no. Yeah. By this point, spoilers, folks. During the whole Batman saving Ma- Martha Kent, that is Martha Ke- Kent, right? It is. Mar- everyone's called Martha in this movie. Yes. That situation. Apart from him, you know, shooting people. <laughs> Most of that looked like a Batman fight mm-hmm. where he's jumping around, getting, taking down people and the whole coming through the wall instead of coming through the door. Mm. I like that. The floor. Then, but then obviously right after that, they completely ruin it. That, that's the only thing I can pick out. So you like the Arkham Asylum style fight? Yes. And Somebody played the Arkham Asylum game and thought, let's try and do this, maybe. Mm. Mm. Um, anything else? Sharon, you've seen the trailer, so you've pretty much seen the film. Anything you liked about it? <laughs> I'm racking my brain. The only after after watching all the trailers, as we said before, um, the only thing I was particularly interested in seeing was how Wonder Woman was handled. Mm. You've seen all the Wonder Woman, pretty much. Yeah, a couple and, of bits of the said party. There's, where... there's not much more of her in the film that wasn't already in the um, yeah. in the trailers. Uh, you, you missed her watching YouTube. And uh, watching some like really really early previews. <laughs> but, wow, that uh, sounds scintillating. Yeah. Um, Someone said like uh, they, um, I think it was We Hate Movies said they, that Batman sends those videos to Wonder Woman's laptop, and just those words, Wonder Woman's laptop. <laughs> it's like Thor's iPod. I mean, I I know she's Diana Prince. She has to be modern with with the times. And I, I'm not a Wonder Woman super fan, so I've really not read anywhere near as much as I should. But Wonder Woman's laptop. Hmm. Bob, go for it. Anything that you remember liking now? Well, you know, yeah, it's the thing is, I think there's actually like there's a lot of individual bits that I like. The like I'm thinking about it's like, yeah, there's actually a lot of like individual things that I like, but they're all bad together. Mm. And they're all bad in this movie. You know, like uh, I think Ben Affleck is actually, you know, like theoretically good as Batman. You know, there's, he doesn't have anything interesting to say and he barely has anything interesting to do, which is weird because he's kind of the whole movie, which is another problem. Uh, But the costume looks great. Uh, You know, they really do photograph Batman. Like if this is the Batman you like, the, the Arkham Asylum, you know, like it's the, a xenomorph, but Batman, you know, like jumping out and murdering people and shit. Like, if, if that's the Batman you like, this is a, a good version of that. You know, it's probably the best version of that. Uh, I think Zack Snyder and uh, Larry Fong were born to shoot, you know, superheroic action. 
not necessarily this version of it, but they are really good. You know, when when everyone shuts up and fights in this movie, it yeah. looks great. <laughs> the reason that they're fighting is stupid. You know, for the most part, the the design of what they're wearing and the 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 set design and everything is kind of generic and dog shit. And the the rationale for what's going on is bad, and what they're talking about makes no sense. But it looks really good. Um, I think the action scenes are like the the big Batmobile chasing, which seems to exist only as like like a dick measuring thing. It's like you know, oh, you like the the big long Joker chase in uh, in the Dark Knight? Well, watch this. You know, this is like ten times that. And I think that's that's a really good car based action scene, which should never involve Batman, <laughs> but it's a good scene in, into its own right. Uh, I have no idea if Gal Gadot is a good actress, because I think I've seen her in three movies now, because she's in two of those Fast and Furious movies and this. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea if this woman can act. I have no idea if she has a, a human personality, you know, that, that is discernible. What I do know is that she looks exactly like Wonder Woman and Zack Snyder, Another thing he was born to do was shoot, you know, leggy women against green screen in Halloween costumes doing action stuff. Like, he is the, he's the Hitchcock of exactly that. Emphasis on the cock. <laughs> and, you know, oh, oh, I like, I, I really like uh, Jeremy Irons as Alfred. Again, nothing interesting to do, but hypothetically, he's interesting. Yeah, I'll agree with yeah. that. I like that Ben Affleck's Batman seems like, paradoxically, they're doing like the weird thing where his Batman seems like the Batman that's completely consumed the personality, and now it's just Batman, and all he does is go around Batmaning people. But when he actually plays Bruce Wayne, he seems a little bit like the first three seasons animated series Bruce Wayne, where he's kind of smooth, and he functions as a human being, and he, you know, when he... <laughs> pretends to be hitting on women at the party in order to gain information, you get the sense that he would actually do this for fun and that there's a, a life in there. And it doesn't work because the rest of the movie is going, no, he's just Batman. Everything is bad. It's over. Robin is dead. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> on. but yeah, I, I, I think he's good. And, you know, uh, Henry Cable, I've decided can't act. Mm -hmm. um, he, he is, he seems to have more of a personality when he's allowed to use his, his actual accent because I, I didn't hate that man from uncle movie, mm -hmm. but he seems to not be a very good actor. Good looking guy, really handsome, super cut. Like I get why they hired him. He looks like Superman, but he really does not seem to be much of an actor. And when they make him sound out his lines in English, he's worse. Yeah. He's not your Michael Fassbender. No, he is not. He, well, Fassbender can't do English either because he always keeps his reg he he always has his regular accent it's or some Irish other accent. It, yeah. I, yeah. I'm Magneto. <laughs> I'm Steve Chalps. I'm Steve Chalps. <laughs> I, I got to mention the score, which I've been listening to, devoid, uh, well, divorced from the the movie uh, uh, over the past few days. Uh, to Hans Zimmer. Uh, who I have re realized is probably my favorite composer uh, over time. That uh, John Williams, I adore. 
like James Newton Howard, uh, I adore as well, and uh, James Horner. But Hans Zimmer has just done movie after movie that just seems to have a direct, like one theme in it at least that has a direct line to my heart. And while I hate the new Batman theme, that Batman. I love the the Man of Steel um, theme. It's it's wonderful, and it's a promise that was made uh, in uh, 2013 that has still yet to be fulfilled. But you know, let's hope springs eternal. And um, fart rock though it is, as we hate movies very astutely pointed out, that Wonder Woman is kick ass. That uh, that theme. It's probably going to really start to grate, especially when you actually see the Wonder Woman movie and they're playing it all the time, or some variation on it but um yeah junkie xl is another guy who i you know after mad max fury road uh, and also collaborating with zimmer on amazing spider-man 2 which again not 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 a good film but uh but some 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 great score moments uh, junkie xl is, is a guy to watch so the, the the music definitely has some some great some great plus points so there's that yeah um oh what else is there uh, I've put the back costume question mark. I'm just so relieved it's not black again because since 1989 it's been black for all of the Burtons and then all of the Schumachers. I think they sort of introduced sort of a metallic-y blue as well, and then um, yeah, you got the all black for Bale uh, again. And just I was like, can we please just get the grey? But it seems like we're never going to get the grey with the underoos, which. I know a lot of people are really relieved that Underoos are gone from DC, but I can't get... Underoos are a little statement that says, guys, no one's going to get their neck snapped in this. <laughs> Superman without Underoos is a serious, serious, miserable, boring guy. Gotta say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put the pants, sorry, the underpants, back on the outer pants. Yeah, it's... You know, and everyone's always made fun of that design choice for Golden Age superheroes. And, yeah. you know, it's, you know, fine. It look it looks odd, but it looks odder when it's not there. Skin-tight space jumpsuits, basically. Marvel eventually uh, took the, like, the, the most modern drawings of Captain America and no longer have him in, like, the tight pants. They've mm-hmm. basically given him just, like, blue work pants to wear with his uniform. And they ditched the which pirate more or, Yeah, which, which is more or less what he has in the movies. You know, he has, okay, I have the body armor up top, and then I'm just kind of wearing trunks, which is, okay, fine. You know, but, like, the DC heroes, they basically just colored in the red or the black part, you know, with, with the rest of the color. And now it just looks like, well, okay, but... Now you're you're literally wearing footed pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> they do look baby growish, don't they? But they must yeah, be it, immensely comfortable. Oh yeah, snug. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 weird. I mean, I I understand why it was there in the first place because it was the aesthetic of the time because they were trying to look like circus strongmen and circus strongmen wore the 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 trunks outside over the tights so that if the tights split because we hadn't invented spandex yet, they wouldn't have their stuff fall out. Yeah. Like, I, I, I get what the point of this is, you know, but it it looks, I don't know, it's one of those things that didn't need to be fixed until it was fixed. But I don't know, I'm, I'm the guy who wants the yellow oval back on the Batman symbol, but these are really minor things. Mm, the yellow S back on Superman's cape at the back. That'd be lovely. Yes. Um, and uh, actually, the, the other thing about Batman's costume is um, when I showed Lyra, my seven-year-old daughter, who was at the time probably about five, The Dark Knight Returns, just the, just the comic, 
Um, I know it's like the uh, wellspring from which all Batman mythology now seems to gush uh, in a depressing way. And we could probably talk about Dark Knight Returns if if it's really required it at some point, because I think we've both raged about Frank Miller over and over again over the years uh, for you know for the good things he's done, but also for the the, the massive massive influence. Some of it very toxic, but. Yeah. The first thing Lyra did was laugh. And she went, oh, my God, it's fat old Batman. And <laughs> it's because the, the, the bat symbol is deformed and it's huge. Yeah. It's gross. And it's like, like that kind of works in that really chunky version of Batman back in that comic. But Ben Affleck didn't have to be that jacked in this movie. <laughs> what you said about them looking like shaved apes is absolutely right. When they're put in just regular suits, they're just sort of going, uh, 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 like American gladiators just stalking around the place. And Affleck looks ridiculous. He just looks so he's roided up, and like he looks like he's been drawn by one of the detractors of this movie, Rob Liefeld. Rob was like, <laughs> going, "Oh man, just like drop it, DC fans," and they were like, "Oh, this is rich coming from you, Rob Liefeld." But uh, yeah, it, it looks like he's been drawn in the nineties. And <sighs> what's weird is you didn't need to do that because. And again, this might be just a function of being in in Boston, where sometimes you see Ben Affleck just around. <laughs> you know, just like, well, is what what I think people don't necessarily cue in on in movies because they do their best to hide it. Ben Affleck is enormous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck is a gigantic man. Like it's shocking that that he got in as an actor because usually they don't want actors to be too tall. Mm because they will not line up at eye line with actresses and they like that. It makes shooting easier. Like that's why so many leading men are diminutive men in real life. Like Tom Cruise, Dustin Hoffman, such tiny, tiny men. I immediately thought Tom Cruise. (laughs) But, but like Affleck is like six, two, six, three. He's gigantic Mm. and he's, he's a pretty, you know, in shape guy most of the time. And here it's it's like they put him. I understand, you know, he they want him to look like the Frank Miller Batman, but in live action, it looks really bad to have someone who looks like that, and we're still computer animating him to move around like a ninja. It mm. doesn't work. <laughs> the other thing that I was uh, thinking when we like, I, I mentioned this during my um, first impressions, but I, I really need a visual to show this one. Batman's got his Iron Man suit on, which obviously came from the uh, Dark Knight Rises. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Dark Knight Returns, if you will abbreviate it to the same initials. That makes him like super strong and be able to like, sort of take a you know quite a, a pounding. But it doesn't make him Superman's speed. And this yeah. is like, mm-hmm. if if that suit could somehow move him as fast as Superman, just to be able to block the punches, because remember they were doing that Matrix fighting in, in Man of Steel? If they were actually properly martial arts fighting, which is the way Batman tends to fight, and Superman like, right, okay, well, how would you like this in fifth gear? Like that. That suit would break every bone in Batman's body trying to take him too fast. And he would be horrible. He would be liquidated within it. And... Superman is flash fast. So all of that kryptonite got thrown down. But there is a point in the middle of the toilet fight where Superman comes back to something approaching full strength. And then Batman goes, "Uh oh, and then there's a bit more of a beat down on Batman. But most of that fight is Batman kicking the fuck out of Superman. And <laughs> I know people were like, this is so exciting. But I just, I was, oh, God. Why you little guy? 
Oh, oh, it, it's, it's all just, just an act. Stop! Stop! He's already dead. Yeah. It was just grim to watch. And I, I keep being told that Zack Snyder is such an exciting director and that all of his action is supposed to fill us with awe. But most of the time throughout this movie, I was just sat with my head in my hands going, oh. And, and just like my skin was crawling. You know, there, there are two like frame of reference stories for this are the death of Superman and mm. spoiler alert and <laughs> the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Returns, both of which are about fights that we're not supposed to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like this, this is and like I am Mr. Number One on reevaluating whether Frank Miller was ever as satirical as people took him as. But the the theme of that entire last book in Dark Knight is how the hell has it comes to this? This is tragic. Why are they killing each other? Mm. You know, it's it's a brutal fight scene, but it's staged as this shouldn't be happening. This is a bad thing. This is representative of all the other awful shit that's happened up to this point. This is wrong. And they're pretty much faithfully translating it for this movie, but we're supposed to be, like, excited about it. Yeah. Or maybe we're not. I don't know. The, the, I, I lost track of what the score was trying to tell me at that point. <laughs> it was trying to tell you, bad man. But it, we went back and watched the animated version of that fight after I'd uh, watched the film. And there is an elegance to it. Mm. And there is a, a, a dedication on both the parts of old Bruce. And he never really gets old. But the, the Clark in that. Superman doesn't want to kill Batman. He just wants to take him down before he does something terrible. And Batman, Bruce, doesn't want to kill Clark. He just wants to prove a point. And there's something kind of, like, even though it's a fight we're not supposed to enjoy, it's, it does have a, sort of, they know each other going on. It has an emotional weight to it. And obviously there's a degree of conflict on the part of both of them. Obviously these two guys are complete strangers. So it doesn't even have that. I watched a really good video on YouTube today about how um, Batman in this film is actually uh, accessing two completely different parts of his brain to make the decision to take out Superman. There's the logical part of him that's uh, making a calculation of weighing up the rest of the world against Superman. And there's the emotional part of him, which is really, really angry at Superman. But neither of these parts of his brain are conflicted, which makes for a really boring fight on the part of Batman. And Superman's just being manipulated because his mum's in trouble, so it's like his heart's not really in it either. So we're watching two people who really don't want to fight, fight a fight that we shouldn't want to see and shouldn't be happening, and the marketing is telling us is going to be awesome, and it isn't. Especially as Batman's malice towards Superman actually leads to a measure of more cruelty in his approach, which makes it very one-sided and brutal. As well as the fact that he has to keep using kryptonite, which makes Superman constantly on the back foot. And then there's the rather more unsettling aspect of the fight, which makes it kind of feel like this has been set up purely to feed the bros who want to see the asshole Superman that they've always hated beaten down and hurt and by Batman very specifically by Batman their avatar there's a whole subset of Batman culture which kind of worries me like, you remember that bit with um, Je- Jesse Lexenberg on the roof 
where he goes, hey, I got pictures of your mama. And he sort of throws down these really horrible, like, torture porn pics of poor Martha, like, bound up and as, you know, the worst thing that can ever happen to a bro is for their women folk to be put in danger. Um, because that is a recurring theme in these. And it just feels like at that point, Superman would make a very quick assessment burn Lex's head off his shoulders and then go looking for Martha as fast as he possibly could. Because, well, I mean, um, ultimately, it, otherwise he's being blackmailed into doing something terrible by someone who's going to trick him anyway. See, here's what I don't understand. Now, they seem to establish that Superman has a lowest lane sensor. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, whenever he's in danger, yeah, he can automatically be there whenever he needs to. Why doesn't... Why doesn't he? Why can't he do that for his mother? You'd think he'd know her heartbeat after hanging around with her for like thirty odd years. And she's normally in the same place, so any time he notices her move away from, yeah. I don't know, Kansas. Yeah, just Kent Farm and uh, and, and the the uh, pub she works in. But uh, but no, for for plot reasons that oh god, there's so much to unpack of this one. It's not that it's complex; it's just, it's convoluted. There's a difference. <laughs> That's the word. Um. Yeah, but no, it really felt like that was one of the crux points of the film, that Superman was being manipulated for reasons into this death match that we should be wanting him to be doing, but don't. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is a really great anti-action movie where when the action happens, you're like, no, 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 please don't, no. And you don't want the gunfight to start. You don't want the shot to ring out. That's, they yeah. should start making more anti-action movies where they've got, like, spectacular stuff happens, but you don't want it to. This movie seems to be confused. They're like, you know, yeah, you want to see the gladiator match of the decade? That's what um, Lex is talking about. He's, he's talking to us. It's so confused as to whether this should happen, shouldn't happen. and That's why most of these, you know, versus movies up to this point have been where um, situations where both of the people or things fighting are bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you go through it, like there, are, there are very few movies with versus in the title that are not legal films where, you know, like there's a clear good guy and bad guy fighting. You know, King Kong versus Godzilla, Freddy versus Jason, Frankenstein versus the Wolfman, Frankenstein versus Dracula, you know. Alien versus Predator, which I prefer right, yeah. to Batman v Superman. As do I. The, the the premise of these, you know, okay, now you see them fight movies is usually it's just two monsters or it's two bad guys. So yeah, two enjoy. people with nothing to lose, just yes. going at it. Like these people who they have no limit. So let's just see them fight. Yeah, I keep going back to the fact that I really want it to be two years from now because I want to. I want to know whether or not Zack Snyder actually wanted to make this movie because I get the sense that he did not. Mm. And who put in the I, V as well? Whose bright idea was it that it has, they have to fight, like, pro, like the centerpiece is them fighting to what feels like to the death. That feels like, the, the, the V honestly is, was the first thing when I saw that come up. For some reason it clicked in my head that, uh-oh, this feels like the studio is back in control because I've seen studio notes and I've, like, I've, I have literally been, they... I've been watching Warner Brothers try to make this movie as a fan of this stuff since 
Yeah, it has been so long that there is news footage, and I wish I could find it again, of a still-living Christopher Reeve making fun of the premise of this movie when it was first announced. <laughs> like, like, that's how long they've been at this. Wow. It's like since the end of, ba- pretty much since the end of Batman and Robin, Warner Brothers has been saying, you know what, we should do another Superman, and then alternately, we should do Batman versus Superman. Yeah, And the, the V in this, especially the explanation for it, where it's like, well, you know, we wanted it to look special. We want, you know, which was like Snyder's version. And Zack Snyder is not a great interview. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm not saying he's dumb. I'm, you know, he, he knows how to talk. He seems like a sharp guy. I still like him as a filmmaker. I think he's interesting. But, you know, I've watched, like, raw footage of interview with him. And he's one of those guys. Who, he's one of the guys who's not a great speaker. Yeah. No. Tim Burton very much the same way. If you want to torture yourself, let, listen to Tim Burton audio commentaries. I was oh, going to yeah. say, if you've ever listened to him like on Batman or Beetlejuice, he's just make, 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 make. And you're like, oh, I'll, this film is so sparky. How can you be like this? Some people aren't talkers. Yeah, It's understandable. You know, he's, 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 and, his talents lie elsewhere. And I, I kind of figured, okay, when, when Snyder is explaining, you know, when people ask us, you know, what's with the V? It was, well, we wanted it to be special. We wanted it to be distinct. That sounds to me an awful lot like someone in in the room, as they say, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when this is getting put together, that at some point, someone with the ability to make a decision at Warner Brothers said, you know, Versus makes it look like one of those Godzilla things. Yeah. Or, you know, Versus makes it look stupid. You know, so find something else to call it, and then they stick a V in there. It's, it's very akin to video game titling, mm-hmm. you know, where it, you can't just call it, you know, like Gears of War 3, it has to be, you know, Gears of War X.5 to the third, final conflict beginning. You know, <laughs> it, it's, it's very much that where, you know, or like, uh, I, th- I think now the big thing is in video games, they call it, uh, instead of versus, it's like something X. Something, it's like Street Fighter X Tekken. Again. Because they're, they're trying to make it look like it's in the original Japanese. It, it feels like a, It feels like a marketing note that that will make it... That will make it stand out that it's not just Batman versus Superman, because that sounds like Freddy versus Jason. How lame is that, huh? Like, that's the problem. Little that's what it feels like. Fact, a V to the audience. That's a British thing. But uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it feels very, the whole movie feels to me like a lot of studio notes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, with Zack Snyder still trying to put his stamp on it to some degree. But a lot of things like so, just, like Spider Man Three, then so it's like, well, we gotta have Wonder Woman in there. Well, we gotta have the Justice League in there. Well, we gotta have Lex in there. And we, you know, you theorized that the Joker was going to be in there originally, and I've seen the Riddler as well. And they they kind of seem to have combined all three into this Lexi Junior version. Oh, Lexi, you're so sexy. Eat it, eat it. It's cherry flavored. <laughs> Which would have, which like when they like this movie's already overstuffed, but when they said that like oh the Riddler was originally going to be in this movie, you know uh, that, that I don't know it, it feels like it made sense because there's a whole lot of you know like like Luther's plan is not really a Lex Luther plan you know Le- okay. like Lex Luther plans are usually you know hey I got a benefit. Bunch- yeah, yeah, and, and and they're also usually pretty straightforward, right? Like like and again I'm. 
I, I hate getting hung up on like, you know, comic book minutia and, you know, source material because I really do think the main problems with this movie are just basic bad filmmaking, bad writing, bad directing, scenes that don't make sense, dialogue that doesn't work, you know, all of the the fan service could have still been cooking on this one. It could have looked like an Alex Ross painting over George Perez ink come to life and it mm. still would have been shit because the the elements are bad. Yeah. But like a Lex Luthor plan is typically, hey, I've got a bunch of money. Here's a thing that hurts Superman that I can afford. Mm. That's basically it. Whereas this one, there's this whole like looping gambit of different things that he's doing with two or three other bad guys in there getting like subcontracted out. That would make a certain amount of sense, especially since he seems to have figured out who Bruce Wayne is, but not yeah. done anything with that information. Wouldn't it have been better if he and Bruce Wayne had been contemporaries and if uh, Lex himself had been played by an older, more experienced actor, someone like, I don't know, Brian Cranston, and he and Bruce had done a lot of talking about Superman, and then you could see what Batman feels about Superman through Bruce, through a lot of human interaction there. And Bruce actually trusted Lex to a degree, and that's how Lex comes out by basically setting up that fight. Yeah, that's... That's much, right here. Yeah, that, that's much better, and that, that seems like... The, the first thing that you would go to is, okay, we got to figure out how this movie works. Okay, we got one bad guy. He's a super rich guy. Hey, one of our other good guys is a super rich guy. Maybe they know each other. Yeah, they'd be contemporaries. They're, 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 of course they would. But um, Lex himself by Eisenberg is one of the worst things in the movie for me. He is mm. astonishingly bad. And I seem to remember like the like early previews, people were like, oh, everyone's talking about Eisenberg. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> I think people like, like – He's so annoying. He's like the guy in class who keeps saying stupid things and poking you. And you just, you want to swat him away. You don't like, he's not a villain. He's just a dick. See, here's the thing. My view of Lex, Lex Luthor is a man who's in control and he's charismatic. Like, yeah. that's, that's, he's got money, he's charismatic, and he can convince you to do things that you and don't get, want to. Yeah, and when he gets out of control, that's when it's scary. Mm. Like, this Lex Luthor, you, you, like how he breaks down in his speech, like you mean nobody's picked up on this? Like this guy who's sticking sweets into government officials' mouths when he's talking to them? Like nobody thinks that's a bit weird. I asked myself, like I, I said in the, the the first impressions, how is he allowed to just behave like? Oh, he's, I know. he's he's very very rich, so it's okay, it's fine. Everyone just puts up with him. Holly Hunter. Like a bit, like she was in the room. She was like, "Okay, that's not how we do things in Kentucky." Uh, by the way, listen to the We Hate Movies review of this, just for them go riffing on Holly Hunter's accent. It's incredible. <laughs> You're not gonna get that access that you were asking for because I couldn't trust you as far as I could fucking throw you. And she's like, <laughs> "Don't tell me that. Don't tell me piss is uh, Granny's peach tea, all right? Because I ain't gonna drink it. That's for one goddamn thing." And that's like almost a direct quote. <laughs> <laughs> that was almost a soundbite from the movie. So put that in your back pocket. Also, but, that seems weird because, like, he's the way sex with her a little the bit. The way Eisenberg is playing it is he's kind of trying to get an angle on the situation, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, not in this movie, man. Come on, now. You need to help taking my bra off. <laughs> <laughs> is this your first time, Lex? Um, but it seemed honestly like Holly Hunter herself was just amazed that he was performing like this. And she's staring at him in a kind of, seriously? Kind are, of are, we, are we doing this now? <laughs> this, this, Wait, this, this is the character? This is what you brought to the table, kid. <laughs> but, He's very quintessentially what, what seems to be wrong with the movie, which is for, for something they spent 20 years trying to make, 
mm-hmm. and then three years actually shooting is that they delayed this a year. Yeah. You know, when they first announced this at Comic-Con, they said, this will be out next year. And then a year later, they went, you know what? We need more time. This, <laughs> this, this is, we, we need more time to get this shit right. And uh, for, for something that's long, so much of it seems to have been put together as an afterthought mm. and a very sloppy production. And I mean, like, like they, we not, have we, have we all read, seen the thing where, where it's not, because like every week now has been a new Zack Snyder explains a thing that doesn't make sense about this movie. Yes. Yeah. And, and ha- have we seen the thing where he, he explains how Jesse Eisenberg wound up playing Lex Luthor? No. What was that? I haven't read that one yet. Uh, well, um, well, this will be a spoiler for the R-rated cut of the movie. No, but uh, go for it at, for us. At the beginning of the movie, when we're doing this this stupid Superman Benghazi thing, <sighs> where where Superman accidentally causes an international incident in North Africa, rescuing mm-hmm. Lois Lane, the context is Lois Lane goes into an African warlord's village, and she has a photographer with her who turns out to be a CIA spook in addition to being a photographer and gets shot in the face and things go to hell and Superman shows up and saves Lois Lane, but a bunch of Lex Luthor's goons are also hiding out, also undercover with the CIA, and massacre the village and somehow everyone blames Superman for people getting shot by bullets. That's the simplest way of explaining it. I was, I've seen it and I'm still confused. <laughs> Wasn't there also, like, the, 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 the whole thing hung upon the idea of a bullet that Superman was running around with a gun shooting people or something? Did that actually enter no, part no. of the No? Um, no? Lois Lane just, she kept one of the bullets, and it, right. it's not a normal bullet. It's a special prototype bullet. Special bullet. Well, I, the, the idea is supposed to be that, you know, Lex told his guys to shoot everyone yeah. in order to make it look like Superman made everything go out of control. Like, I, I guess the idea might be, why did Superman save one person but not get in the way of all of these bullets? Mm-hmm. Which is weird, because that's still a question I have, regardless of who set it up. Yep, Bingo. same. Yeah, no, his, like, his obsession with Lois Lane, Sharon and I worked this out while we were watching the trailer again the other day. If he's listening to her heartbeat all the time, he's following her around all the time. He's making, obviously, he's saving her ass. Um, but he's, you know, he's living with her and he's obsessed with her and he's pretty much, you know, he's just always there. And he's got that sort of like weird, like dead eyed expression and he's following her around. He's Christian Grey. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. And then suddenly the Man of Steel becomes a living creep. And I don't want to know, I don't want to be in this world anymore. <laughs> I want to just like go right. That was an Elseworlds. So we we'll go to the real one. <laughs> it's another one of those things that didn't need fixing. Originally, Superman always knew where Lois and Jimmy were because they both carried these little transmitters that oh, would yeah. send out like a dog whistle sound that would make Superman come. And then someone decided that's dumb, so it became well. He can just hear everyone on the planet all the time and pays attention to these two people specifically. <laughs> Expect those in the next film, by the way, because they decided that's dumb about Kryptonite in that first movie, and uh, yeah. then they used used kryptonite anyway because it's like kryptonian atmosphere it's the same thing and then they brought in the green rock in this one because everyone knows about kryptonite but they stopped to explain it Uh, well we we still haven't talked about the very beginning of this film oh god do we have to talk about every minute because this is torture (laughs) i'm I'm sorry i i i nailed us off track because of explaining that the no no it's fine sorry hang on before you before we go in yeah bob you were talking about the whole beginning bit Right, oh, sorry. Right. Yeah, Benghazi. The photographer who gets shot, if you look in the credits, his name is Jimmy Olsen. Well, bye-bye, Jimmy. Oh. 
Wasn't yeah. there a Jenny Olsen as well? Like the the, the there, one who there was. crushed. In in Man of Steel, they yeah. they they wanted, and it turned out to be a stupid thing anyway because it's a two minute part. Mm. Mm. You know that that the people from the Daily Planet show up at the end of the movie, but the woman named Jenny was supposed to was in the script for Man of Steel was Jenny Olsen, and it was okay. Jenny Olsen is now Jenny. Aren't we being inclusive? Fine by me. Mm. Fans had a cow, as they are wont to do. And, Gender flipping. and so in, at the beginning of this one, hey, there is a Jimmy Olsen and he gets shot. And according to Zack Snyder, he what he wanted to do was he wanted to cast a really well-known actor as Jimmy Olsen and have all the blogs and everything report, hey, Jimmy Olsen is in the movie, and then kill Jimmy Olsen in the first five minutes of the movie. Basically, he says to raise the stakes, it feels a lot more to me like to say, oh, you guys wanted Jimmy Olsen? Fuck you. Here's Jimmy Olsen. He's dead. Screw yeah. you. You know, don't talk bad about my creative choices. And Jesse Eisenberg would have been a good Jimmy Olsen? And, and he would have been Jimmy Olsen, and that's what he, he had him in to read for Jimmy Olsen, and spent five minutes with... Okay, at this point, we actually lost Bob for just a moment, so we started talking off track about Scoot McNary, the guy in the wheelchair. Yeah. Uh, the, the guy in the in the wheelchair. Yeah. He's like totally consumed with hatred for Superman. Um, you know, just conveniently ignoring all of that, you know, saving people that he's yeah. doing. He's like, oh, he's a false god. And some, somehow, Lex Luthor has been intercepting all of his checks. Yeah. And the fact that for nearly, is it 18 months? 18 months since the incident? About that, yeah. Like, nobody decided to say, hey, this guy keeps sending back... Like, it's like what We Hate Movies said. Yeah. This, this man's sending back these checks, and he's threatening <laughs> our boss with them. <laughs> let's, not set, let's not bring these to him. He, let's not bother the boss with them. Mm. He wouldn't want to know. It's not like it's a dangerous world out there. You let them die. Ooh. He's like schooling it in what appears to be lipstick as well. <laughs> like, imagine you're the pers- the bursar working in finances, and you get those checks through the you know back through through the mail with you let them die on there. It's like let's just keep I'm, I'm this. Back. Hello, Bob. I, I'm I'm, I'm, su- I'm super super sorry. It um, that was actually on my end. The internet went out. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just really, really glad it came back. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm sorry. I hope it's I... Not, don't apologize. No, it's, no, completely understand. Um, right, so hang on. There Was was there an end to the Benghazi thing? Cause, uh, yeah, well, we were... the, the end to that was that they... Oh, it was Jesse Eisenberg. He, he, he talked to Jesse Eisenberg for five minutes and was like, Say, yeah, and... here's my Lex Luthor. Hey, <laughs> what, you don't what care he... about this either. <laughs> what he claims to have said is that he went back to his wife, who Deborah Snyder, who is like the... The silent partner on all of these movies. Like, she yeah. seems to be the, the, the brains of the operation, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, like on the business side. Yeah. And, of, like, Zack Snyder Incorporated. Yeah. And Big said, like... It, on Sucker Punch as well. Yeah. His, her, his description of his exact words were, this guy's insane. How about him for Lex? <sighs> because they'd been having every actor in the industry come in to read to be the new Lex Luthor including Brian Cranston, who's now everyone's, oh, it should have been him. That's awesome, because he was on TV. I, I'm sorry I cited Brian Cranston. I just I was picking like someone that everyone would have gone, yeah, totally. I, he wouldn't have been my first choice. Actually, Clancy Brown would have been my first choice. <laughs> He's like 72 now, but shave that guy's head, 
and I reckon yeah. we'd do it. It's, I have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, that would be good, actually. Yeah, Superman turns up and he goes, ah. sorry, <laughs> carry on. Yeah, it's, I, I, can, I can see where they, where they would have eventually thought Eisenberg was a good idea because, you know, they always try, they always, they always overthink Lex Luthor in general. Mm-hmm. Because there's really no set idea of what he is from the comics other than he's a guy who doesn't like Superman and has no hair. Yeah. That, that's really kind of it. He started out as generic mad scientist <laughs> slash inventor slash whatever. Then they made him a businessman in the 80s and that kind of stuck. But he really is just a guy who doesn't like Superman. And... So I can see where they looked at this and said, oh, hey, yeah, we'll make him, you know, one of those really irritating millennial tech billionaire guys. That'll work. But yeah. it's a real bad version of that. Yeah, in theory, that makes sense. But it's not supposed to be clinically insane. Yeah, or, or like visibly so. You know, this, this yeah. is not a guy who could get people to side with him on anything. You know, this is... Like, it would have been the, the most obvious thing in the world would have been to do, oh, Lex Luthor is Steve Jobs. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you know, both bald, super charismatic megalomaniacs. Okay, great. Hey, works. But, uh, you know, and it would work for me because I'm completely unromantic about Steve Jobs. And, uh, you know, that would have been fine. But here it's it's such a weird decision. And it doesn't – I don't want to lay it all on Eisenberg because – the script is so bad. What is he supposed to do with it? You know, it, like it's not his fault that Lex Luthor goes from, well, I'm afraid of aliens. Well, actually my dad was abusive. So I have a problem with authority. Well, actually I'm an atheist and Superman is a God and I'm kind of wigged out about that. Oh, actually, no, I've somehow made psychic contact with dark side. He he does seem um, sort of very Edward Nigma from um, Batman Forever, which in that context he found it very very difficult to get people to go along with his madcap plans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just it sounds like it makes more sense that he would play a Riddler, you know, somebody who's too smart for his own good and just does not come across as stable. That's why he's ostracized. I would love Whereas, to see him playing, yeah, a, a reined in, exactly as you're saying, a reined in Riddler, just like written so that he's very cold and very kind of um, superior about things. Mm. That, that would, I think that would work. But, you know, he, his, his madcap thing, uh, for a start, it's not the least bit threatening. Like, every single, like, you, there's no reason why Batman and Superman wouldn't just twat him immediately. <laughs> Yeah. I was going to say it feels a little bit threatening when you do it, but I can imagine it wouldn't when Jesse Eisenberg does it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It doesn't. It doesn't. Ugh, it, it's it's a bad decision, and the fact that it was it was it was we now know was made on the fly. Yeah, he oh. was like, "Hey, this will be an interesting idea." It really, I get the sense that Zack Snyder doesn't really want to be doing this, and is kind of trying to. He may get his make, wish. Well, I, I think he's kind of trying to make his own thing within a thing he doesn't want to do. I mean, he, real talk, he owes Warner Brothers a lot mm-hmm. for basically letting him waste their money on Sucker Punch. <laughs> you know, it was never going to make them any money. It was never going to be a huge hit. It was probably always going to get bad reviews. But they wanted him on the hook to direct big tentpoles for them. 
And so they went in on Sucker Punch, and now he owes them apparently, you know, 10 years of his life making DC movies. It sounds like Warner Brothers is a better Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a Lex Luthor plot. Sorry, continue. No, no, it's that. that's kind of, it's, they're a strange studio because they're known as being very filmmaker-friendly, but mainly because they want these certain filmmakers to come and make these big movies for them. And they, their handling of the superhero stuff is always very strange. And looking at this one, it's clear that they have learned nothing. That, that they've been through destroying superhero movies for, you know, several years with Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. which seems like such a better movie now. <laughs> we already did this podcast. It's got more laughs. <laughs> yes. yeah, that, that, that it's, I long for the quaint days when, like, the subplot of, of a major superhero movie could literally be, well, Batman and Robin both like a girl, and it's kind of <laughs> with their friendship. Sorry, Ivy. <laughs> But rubber lips are immune to your charms. Yeah. It's like, it's the dumbest <laughs> thing. That I, you know, I, I look back at that movie and they're saying, you know, it's like, you know, th- this one is so much more grown up. And I'm thinking, you know, the buried themes in Batman and Robin are that Batman is, you know, needs to get over his duality. And, you know, that Robin needs to, you know, get past his, you know, like male insecurity. And Poison Ivy is getting in between these two guys. And it's fucking up their friendship. And all of the stuff with, like, Schwarzenegger's dead wife. It sounds like so much more of a grown-up movie than this one. Which, you know, where Lex Luthor tricks Batman and Superman into punching each other. And in case that doesn't work, also Monster. (laughs) (laughs) Who is basically as articulate as Bane in Batman and Robin? Is yeah, that's I mean, your basic Frankenstein. Like cr- credit to Zack Snyder for this. They they found a way to make Doomsday less interesting. Wow, no, hands together for that. <laughs> like a a monster who only exists to be stronger than Superman and new, so no one will question why this bad guy didn't do it before. So Abomination in The Incredible Hulk is a better Doomsday than the Doomsday in this. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I love that fight. Um, right. I've got a big old list of talking points, and we have spilled sideways off of that. So, okay, a lot of the straw man arguments I've read um, are, uh, that are pro this movie and against the detractors uh, are centered around fans who are angry at this not being their Batman and Superman, which is explainable as this being a version of the characters and thus just as relevant as every other adaptation as in like well just because it's not the comic version doesn't mean that batman doesn't kill in this universe this is a version of batman it's just as valid does this scan and are we missing a very valid point here or are we in fact angry not so much over comic inaccuracy as just horrible baseline world building the latter Next question. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very much the latter for me as well. I actually wouldn't mind if they... Like, you, you ever heard the uh, breakdown on the Darren Aronofsky Batman? No, oh, yeah. I, I won't repeat it here, but just go check it on Wikipedia. It's batshit mental. I, w- I, I don't mind watching weird, unusual versions of Batman, Superman, etc., but wouldn't it have been a good idea to get a base, like a, a version of Superman that everyone knows first... And then do your weird Elseworlds Dark Superman after that. There's like there's rumblings about Justice League Dark. How much darker can you get? 
See, here's the thing. For me, it's a bit different because I actually grew up on the cartoons instead of the comics. Of course. Like for both Marvel and DC. And so even in that issue, there have been different adaptations of each character that I've seen. Like with Under the Red Hood, uh, Joker is different from the animated series Joker. So for me, that's that's not an issue. I'm fine with a different representation. They can change all, all they want. It's just... There needs to be some sort of through line. Like you have to understand what they're like, what they're about, what their motivations are. Like you can, you want to watch and see. I I understand why this person's doing this. Yeah, and that's what that's what this this movie series is completely missing. Yeah, perfect example of the Nolan Batman's. I don't like that Batman really much at all. I, mm. I actually think he's a bit of a prick, but. It's a solidly thought out Batman of like, how could we make him as realistic as possible? That would not be my Batman, but I really respect a specific, that second movie is so good. But um, it, it's, it's not just that it's, it's different from the uh, uh, Conroy Batman. It's that what they put in its place is so alarming on so many different levels that it, 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 it just flicks all of my buttons to off. That's, that's my take on it. Um, so yeah, I, I welcome different versions of the DC universe, but it would have been smart, I believe. So you know, you know how they're, they're bringing in the, your your standard white, like Bob. You and I had that bet as to whether they would go for say Miles Morales and like, like go a completely different Spider Man for the first Marvel Spidey, and you were like, nah, they're going to go for Silver Age Pete, and they've done exactly that because that's the baseline. They can then riff on that later on down the line. And it just seems like they've taken so long to actually get a Justice League together. Would it not be an idea to get together your classic Justice League first? It's complicated because, you know, it's it's very easy to say that, well, if you're adapting something, you're adapting it and any amount of changes you want to make is is fine. But you know, to, to do the hackiest thing possible and use a food metaphor here, eventually a pizza is no longer a pizza. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. It's more pasta now than pizza. Exactly. You know, there's there's a point at which the pizza, the, 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 the dish gets so deep and the crust gets so uh, soft that it's now a lasagna. Yeah. Or you put so much salad on it, it's you're going through a greengrocer's. Right, right. It's like, so there's, you know, like... If I knock the back off my chair, it's no longer a chair. It's a stool or possibly a table. Mm-hmm. So th- there's a point at which you can – you can these things will bend really far, but they can break. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know that this breaks them, but it's, it's just a bad adaptation. And even if this was like, okay, this is not my Superman, not my Batman – would be basically forgivable. I mean, the, the the Tim Burton Batman changes the origin, you know, has him, if not killing people, at least being really cavalier about it mm. because he does shoot at the Joker with a machine gun. He just misses. Mm. You'll forget that in that movie. He flies his jet plane down the street and yep, opens yep. fire on the Joker with two, you know, machine guns and he just misses. What's his intention? Is, is, is it that Joker's supposed to go, oh God, he's actually shooting at me. I, I surrender. Yeah, well, and even if not, he has machine guns. Yeah. <laughs> on, on These the are my bat machine guns. It's oh. it's not like they have more than one use. There's Side only nut. one thing that that does. <laughs> the, these uh, these fire tranquilizer rounds. See, yeah. that doesn't hold up, seeing as. 
the speed that's firing, it's still going to kill you. Yeah, yeah right. It, well, it, there's, a, there's a lot of that, though. Like, in this one, you know, that, like, uh, even, like, you know, Zack Snyder will put out, well, you know, he doesn't directly kill anyone. And, <laughs> well, well, yeah, that's true. I mean, like, and he doesn't. Like, uh, he he picks up his, he has his gun, but his gun doesn't shoot bullets. It shoots, like, anti-Superman stuff. You know, and also when he's saving Martha at the, uh, Christ, at the end of the movie, he's, uh, he grabs another guy and jerks his arm so that guy shoots the gun. Yeah. It's, I'm it's pretty his... sure that still counts. A yes. lot of the, the its fans are like, yeah, well, the, he kills him in the Burton, he kills clowns in the Burton Batman films and he throws that guy totally down a, a, a church. And, yes, that's two wrongs. At what point are yeah. we going to reach a right? Yeah, it, it's... That's you know, Tim Burton it, not having a handle on Batman. We need a director and a writer with a handle on Batman. And I, I don't have like, my, like, I don't have a moral issue with Batman killing people because you know I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about this, but Batman's not real. <laughs> so I, I'm, I, I, yes. I, I, I don't need him brought up on charges for anything. I, like, I. I think the whole Batman doesn't kill thing, it's nice to have that as, like, the moral center. Like, this is what makes DC different from Marvel is our guys don't kill people, whereas Marvel characters kill people all the fucking time, which is true. I mean, Captain America casually murders, like, seven different, uh, you know, Hydra mercenaries in oh, the yeah. Yeah. alone, you know, which, which is fine because that's Captain America. It's World War II. It's, it's, it's what it is. The Batman doesn't kill people thing, I think, needs to be there structurally because if Batman doesn't kill people, then it it's okay that the villains are still running around out there. If Batman yes. does kill people, and it, the, these stories are made for nine-year-olds. Yeah. And they have things set up to make them happen. You know, Batman doesn't kill people because if he does, the bad guys would be dead after one issue and you'd need to invent more bad guys and no one could ever use the Joker again. Exactly. So, so, so the solution to that is Batman doesn't kill people. Now, if you want to change that for the movies, because in the movies you don't need to have the Joker come back three times a year because you're only going to make this movie once every three years, okay, then let's have Batman kill people. But in this one, it's it doesn't make any sense in the structure of the movie. You know, because they have this whole runner where, well, he doesn't kill people, but he puts a mark on guys, which for some reason gets them killed in prison. He brands them. And I don't know what that's supposed to be. Like, I, I understand the context of it. It's like, okay, that's a, a very gritty, realish Zack Snyder kind of touch to this of, oh, yeah, the hero is going to brand the bad guys so that then they get killed in prison. Why do they get killed in prison? By people who Batman probably put away. Right, but, but do other Batman people, like, is, is, the, is Gotham City prison filled with really hardcore lifers? who think Batman is awesome, and it's, therefore they kill them. It's full of bros. <laughs> See, in my, in my mind, getting the Bat brand looks like, join the fucking club. Our, like, our, 90% oh yeah, Batman, of us are uh, in here because of Batman. There's two possibilities here. One is that for some reason, prisoners in Gotham City prisons are, well, three. They are either really big Batman fans, which makes no sense, <laughs> Batman is those punks funneling the money returns. into prisons to get these people killed, which makes him just awful. It makes him Lex yes. Luthor. He, right. A, yeah. 
or these people who are in prison are afraid that if they don't kill people, Batman will find out about them and be bad to them when they come out. Alternately, it's just something cool David Goyer thought up. Zack Snyder said, yeah, man, that's cool. And then nobody checked them on it. That's probably that's probably it. Although the, the brand – this is another reason why I know that this is a wondrous thing. That brand thing is from the Darren Aronofsky script. Oh, nice. Ah. That was in, in the Aronofsky script, Bruce Wayne doesn't know he's Bruce Wayne. Gotcha. He's, he's like been raised feral because he ran away after the parents got – it's awful. Yeah, yeah. But as Thomas Wayne's signet ring, which has a T inside of a W, and he's punching people with that – and it's leaving an impression, and people look at the impression and say, that looks kind of like a bat, and that's how he becomes Batman. Yeah. Uh, See, for for one-off oddball movies, that actually sounds like... I'd kind of like to see that, just for for crazy kicks. They should turn turn it into a comic. Yeah, yeah. Miller would do it. It's his script. Yeah. But the um, but like when they're actually world building here, they are setting the foundations of their universe. They really need. Well, basically, here is the problem a lot of I think Bat fans have had who don't like this version of Batman. He's the kind of guy that the Conroy Batman in the animated series would be trying to bring in. Yeah, he's he's the Red Hood. He's the one killing. Uh, uh, Jason's out there. He's he's you know trying to take control of Gotham City through fear and murdering to do so. Here's the thing. It feels like there was a part missing from this movie where they explained why Batman now kills. Yeah. It seems to be related to the Joker. It seems to be the ha-ha jokes on you, the burned Robin outfit. And it feels like at that stage, Joker shot Barbara Gordon in the spine because that's so edgy. And then either beat Jason Todd to death or, more interestingly drove Jason Todd insane like they did in uh, the Batman Beyond movie and um, made him basically a protege Joker. And uh, it basically, I say basically way too often, and as a result, Batman killed the Joker at that point. That was the time he crossed the line. And Mm. then the Jason Todd Joker went off and became Suicide Squad Jason and I'm just going to hurt you real bad and (laughs) <laughs> I cannot tell you how much I don't want to see that movie. You know, that um, movie looks so much better now, though. I, I think, <laughs> just, just like for me, like, I've been psyched for that movie no matter what because I love David Ayer. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really, like, I am t- I'm totally fine with, with the, the DC movies breaking the toys a little. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm okay with this. You know, I've, you know, I can understand how, like, super, super hardcore DC fans who want to see you know, things that are as kind of preserved in amber as the Marvel stuff sometimes is. I get that. That's fine. I'm okay with if Warner Brothers wants their brand to be, hey, we're we're doing the bug nuts crazy version of this. You know, and Suicide Squad looks like that. It also looks like especially now that I know they're they're recutting it to be yeah, like they've bought extra trailer. jokes to add. <laughs> yeah. To, to to do that, that looks like a much more fun movie than this. Mm. Oh god, yeah. I mean, if it's got a joke, then it's going to be more of a fun movie. Than yeah, it is. It, it, it's not too bad if you break the toys. Just have a bit of fun with it. Yeah. So yeah, okay. Right. So go back to the whole Batman kills thing. It feels like at some point Bruce should have had a conversation with Alfred, going, you know, it's not been the same since you started. Well, you're slightly more, say, shall we say, lax. Uh, arrangement with the Grim Reaper the idea that Batman at this point now doesn't care whether he kills he doesn't go out of his way but he doesn't try not to and that could have been 
see, I saw a really impassioned um, video about this where the guy who loved this, like, he cried when it got to the Martha and Martha bit because that made a huge difference to him. And, it, and as far as he was concerned, this was broken superheroes. Like everyone's saying, this isn't my Batman, this isn't my Superman. They're right. This is them becoming the Batman and Superman that we love. And that, that by the end, that we're given that hope and that that will then lead on to brighter things. It's awfully optimistic and it is entirely dependent on future movies to actually prove him right on this. I really hope he's right. But that would make sense if this Batman was the one who had been derailed and that the killing people suddenly became an actually, no, this is where I really went wrong and this is where I have to stop and this is where I have to preserve life. And that was his arc for this movie. And my God, that sounds so much stronger than what actually happened. I feel like that's the stuff with, uh, I think it's, it's Jenna Malone who was cut from the movie. Yeah. Uh, so she would have been the uh, um, paralyzed Barbara Gordon, yeah? That's what people are assuming. No one has seen any photos, and she's not talking. But the assumption is, is, that, she's bar- is that she's wheelchair Barbara Gordon. Yeah. And, which makes a certain amount of sense, especially since Alfred pretty much functions as Oracle in this movie. Yeah. yeah. You know, like to a degree that Alfred typically doesn't in these things. So I, I wonder I, – I want to know what happened here. Because I strongly suspect that this was a project that made a certain amount of sense at one point. And you can see the people who love this movie are putting in they're like the stuff that they're latching on to, like you said with the guy, is stuff that's in the it's in the DNA, but it's not up there on screen. Do you think there's much more that we could expect from the three hour R rated cut? Some people have put their hope in that. I think it's gonna make a lot more sense plot wise and it'll yeah. still be a bad movie. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I thought we could get a, a, a two-hour conversation out of that, but I think two seconds will do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, and Superman's also in this movie, by the way. Yeah, we, we should and possibly could talk about Superman. It feels like a Batman movie where the villain is Superman. Yeah. Um, th- I mean, he's basically Jesus. And people are saying that this is the Superman that we, we want to see. And, and, you know, when he's he comes in at the end and the specificity of the um, the, the kryptonite spear of Longinus Lee. being pulled out of his side. And We Hate Movies pointed out that they've got the mother and Wonder Woman there as Mary Magdalene. Ish. You, you notice how they managed to do a second Christ air in space? Yeah. First time he literally does the cross. This time he's sacrificing himself for all of our sins. Mm. I, I doubly hated that bit because uh, it was riffing on the Iron Giant. I don't even know if J- Zack Snyder's ever seen that movie or got that movie. But at the <sighs> point when the missile comes towards him, Superman should have gone Superman. <laughs> but he did because that's a brilliant movie, as I've said many, many times. Superman's also not Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, See his. How many people keep getting this fucking wrong? Maybe when he's reborn, that'll be it. And like he'll be born on the, reborn on the Sabbath, and then we can just forget the whole Christ thing. See, here's the thing: um, it's he's fine if you. He's not Jesus. <laughs> it, it's fine if you want to like have that part be like the big debate on your movie. Like people are literally thinking this might be the second coming or viewing him as a god figure. Mm. But you can do that when you're not actually making him look like Christ in your movie. <laughs> like, it's fine if you want to say people are viewing him this way, but you're not supposed to do it yourself. 
roided up super Christ. And you don't have to have him being, you know, this, this, this is a very white dude from LA, like depiction of people seeing someone as Jesus is to show him being fawned over by Mexicans. Oh God. Yeah. That was so uncomfortable. That was their skeletal is great parade. No, it's even worse though. Like normally, like if you see a firefighter save someone from a fire and hand the family over to, like hand hand a child or the family member over to their family, Mm -hmm. they smile at them Mm -hmm. like a little bit of reassurance. Thank you. Yeah, Uh they thank you or they smile reassuringly at the family. Like Superman, like he's got this dull look. Like, why am I doing this? I'm so sad. You're you're putting all this upon me. I've had to save your lives. Why, why am I here? I'm such a tragic, tragic figure. <laughs> like <laughs> always not, looking up and slightly to the left and thinking. It's like not whenever you see Superman saving people. Like those are supposed to be like the joyous moments where like this is a superhero. Like this is why people love Superman because he can do the things that people can't do. That's a da 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 moment. Yeah. It's it, there's a running theme throughout both Man of Steel and this is that super is that being Superman is a huge burden that he would really <laughs> rather not deal with. Yeah, which again is I'm not going to say it's not interesting, mm. you know. But you know if you're if you're going to have if you're going to go all the way say okay, what if Superman wasn't altruistic? Mm. Yeah. And and I guess now it's like the the new meme seems to be that you know Zack Snyder wants to make a movie of the Fountainhead, so people have decided that oh he must be an objectivist. Which okay, fine, I can I can see that you know, but there's not much else to do with this character if he doesn't just want to save people because yeah. You know, like once you do that, the whole being Superman thing doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, he's Dr. Manhattan then. He's like, yeah, I, I just resent you, horrible, petty people. And, and you know, I feel, again, I, I feel like Zack Snyder, the, the key that says to me maybe he doesn't really want to do this is he doesn't really seem to get or like Superman, which mm-hmm. is fine. No one is required to love every character, you know, but uh, I feel like if you're going to open your, if, if you're going to open your movie Killing Jimmy Olsen, We've killed Clark Kent now. This is like like the movie is so bad people aren't even talking about the the implications of the ending. Clark Kent is now dead. Yeah. Like they they made a point to point out that they've separately buried Superman in quotations and Clark Kent. Yeah. So when this comes back the whole oh, I'm also a reporter for this newspaper and I have all these friends in the city and I have this whole other life, is now gone. Yeah, they had that on screen for all of three minutes. Is now gone. And I, I feel like, you know, we're getting all of this stuff about how, hey, the altruistic saving people thing doesn't actually work. There's the whole thing with Pa Kent, you know, coming back in for this thing. The oh. theme of which is, if you do heroic stuff, you know, someone else is going to suffer somewhere, so maybe why do it at all? You know, I'm going to like, come like, back to that point later. That is the words of a very pessimistic person, by the way. Right, right. And having all that, I feel like, to the degree that Zack Snyder wants to make this thing his own at all, it feels like the end game of this is, okay, I've now killed Superman and Clark Kent. When he comes back, this is my Superman. And oh. it's my rules. And oh my I'll decide God. what this character is going to be. I feel like that's where he's going, which... 
is if you're doing one of these, like, it's not an invalid thing to make a movie about. It's not what I would want to see, but if you want it, fine, you're the director. It's not a bad idea for, like, a one-off graphic novel. And Zack Snyder seems to me like a guy who claims that he loves and reads a lot of comics, but has mainly read the trade paperbacks of <laughs> the really big, which is Maximum a lot of carnage. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of people. And Warner Brothers is, no one at Warner Brothers cares about DC Comics. The DC Comics is literally owned by Warner Brothers marketing department. That's who's in charge mm. of DC Comics, the brand. Yeah. You know, it's a marketing arm for the company. And I Kevin Feige. Yeah, right. There's there's no showrunner there who actually gives a shit about the stuff and wants to see it done well. And you can see that in the fact that they keep going back to you know, we need a movie of Watchmen, we need a movie of The Dark Knight Returns, we need a movie of Death of Superman. They've been trying to make Death of Superman since it came out, and the reason is because the people counting up the money at Warner Brothers know that Death of Superman and Dark Knight Returns were the last time any comics they published made money. Yeah. So that's the ones they're going to do. Well, we're, we're not going to do All-Star Superman. That barely broke even. We're not going to do... You know, all you know, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow or just general Superman movies, those books don't sell. You know, these are still on the Barnes and Noble chart. Clearly, that's what people want to see. And I feel like Zack Snyder's one of those guys who got into comics by reading through Dark Knight Returns and Kingdom Come and all of these things. Good books, but without the context, you're just making revisionism. Yeah. Side note, by the way, I love Superman All-Star. Most of the film the whole way through – oh, sorry, the film. If it's, it's available as a uh, movie as well. Most of the story the whole way through is sort of the 12 tasks of uh, Hercules. But the ending is so wonderful. Yeah. And it would have been deeply satisfying to see them, I suppose, like kind of draw from that a little bit. I mean, Grant Morrison knows his superheroes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's not my favorite writer, but uh, by any means, but he, he, you know, he's a smart guy. And uh, getting Morrison involved, another one. Like, you're looking for a Kevin Feige, someone who's got sort of like long-standing relations with DC in the same sort of way, but also has worked in TV. Jeff Johns, right yeah. there. He's working on Flash right now. Get him on your movies. He really knows about and cares about Lantern and Flash. Too woefully underused DC characters in cinema. These guys should have been around in the 90s. Of course, that if the Green Lantern had been around in the 90s, it might have been that Jack Black Green Lantern where he ends up making a Superman out of his ring and going backwards around the earth. <laughs> I would have preferred it to that Ryan Reynolds one. Jesus Christ. But all is forgiven, yeah. Ryan. Thanks, Deadpool. So, <clears throat> so, uh, Oh, speaking of which, watching this film and like at one point I was thinking, you know, who would really liven this thing up? (laughs) (laughs) Just have Deadpool show up and and just break the fourth wall and go, right, this whole thing has been a colossal joke. Okay, now I'm in charge. (laughs) And the rest of the movie is just him riffing and breaking the fourth wall over and over again. That would be great. I don't think everything has to be Deadpool, but just... I also read an article today that, uh, and this is actually my next talking point, uh, that uh, claimed that um, this is a brilliant superhero movie because it's not concerned with jokes. And that all Marvel movies are is basically jokes. One joke after the other. You watch The Avengers, it's just people telling jokes in the way that Joss Whedon writes. All of these characters are exactly the same. I cannot tell you how completely I disagreed with this sentiment. This is sorry. It didn't actually. Don't think it said it in that article, but it's sort of in line with the whole 
this movie is too smart for Marvel fans' sentiment. Yeah. Which is goddamn ridiculous. Now, we've actually held off on the fans of, of this, and uh, we've, I have no interest, really, in attacking people for liking this. If you like this movie and you've somehow got this far, thank you. It means you're balanced enough to be able to listen to us going on and on and on about how much its weaknesses. So, well, yeah, well done. You are a balanced person. Thank you. If you actually go out of your way, well, you're not listening. If you go out of your way to make your point that this film is good and that the Marvel films are bad, I have very little time for you. You know, the, the DC Marvel thing, and it was inevitable that it was going to happen somehow. Mm-hmm. Like that when DC started making like a universe of their own, that we would now get the Marvel versus DC argument. Yeah, it's weird that the sides have changed completely. Mm-hmm. Because like I I look I was reading this shit in the eighties and I was a Marvel guy quote unquote and the like the run on DC versus Marvel was always that DC is too happy go lucky and its heroes are out of touch and everything's a joke and it's too self aware. And because you have to be, because your characters are all bizarre caricatures created in World War II and they make no sense now. Mm-hmm. So, so you have to be funny about them. And now it's completely on the other side. And I get what people are saying when they come to, well, you know, the, that, that the Marvel movies have made everything to such an exacting formula that they get right every time. That anything that's not that is now like, looked down on. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how the X-Men movies fit into that, which also make money and are also doing a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's uh, it seems to be a misunderstanding of what works about the Marvel movies. And I, I like the Marvel movies. I love them, in fact. I will agree that there is a, a huge danger of homogeneity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said that right on the first try. Hey. <laughs> well done. I'm an American. When we get words right the first time, it's a celebration. There's a real danger of movies just playing follow the leader with Marvel and just doing what they do. Mm. And, you know, like like what happened with Pixar, where for a while Pixar was making great animated movies and everyone else tried to do what Pixar was doing mm-hmm. and failing at it. Yeah. And then the, they found their voice and things got better. The problem is the Marvel movies, the, the idea that their formula is, oh, it's just jokes – is a misreading of what works about those movies. It's incredibly yeah. reductionist as well. It's it's taking everything that was in Winter Soldier and Avengers and Iron Man and just going, well, blah, 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 jokes. It, it's <laughs> like you're, you're in the cinema and you hear a lot of people laughing. It must be because it's just because there's loads of jokes in it. That's why. Yeah, well, and also it, it's that the what becomes memetic about the Marvel like the, there are two things that becomes that become memes out of the Marvel movies, which is any two male characters standing next to each other. Tumblr, <laughs> Tumblr goes insane for. And God, God love them, you know. That's you know, I I, I make fun of Tumblr for the, uh, you know, Tumblr loves, you know, male-male pairing thing. Mm -hmm. But I was a teenager in the 90s and remember doing the exact same thing anytime two women looked at each other on screen. So, okay, turnabout's fair play. It's good for the goose. My my generation invented Harley Quinn x everyone. But the reason that the jokes and the kind of like feel-goodisms of the Marvel stuff is what resonates is because the characters are really richly drawn and likable. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, the things that you... Re- no one 
people who constantly think about their friends and, and relations that make them feel good, they think about the things they like about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, that's why, like, the Winter Soldier is a hugely dramatic downer of a movie overall. You know, it, it doesn't really, like, wrap up or go through on a happy note. Uh, you know, the Thor movies are not joke fests. Apparently the third one is going to try to be a little funnier because they think that's been the problem. Uh, you know, it couldn't hurt. You know, most of them are, I don't expect Civil War to be, you know, all happy-go-lucky. In fact, I'm pretty sure Civil War is, is going to be the good version of Batman v Superman in several very specific ways. Watch this space, folks. Yeah. And I, uh, well, that's a layup, though. I mean, the Marvel movies are so well-received generally at this point it was a given that if Batman v Superman wasn't good, every review of Civil War was going to include the words, hey, this is the good Batman v Superman. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a given, but that's, it's so, it, it is incredibly reductionist. You're right. I'm, gonna, I'm rambling. I'm sorry. But no, it, no, that, no, no. Yeah, I, I love that, hearing I this stuff. It pisses me off as, as well. It's not the reason that the, the Marvel movies work. is not because of the jokes. It's because of the characters. Yeah. Uh, in fact, basically, they, uh, they argued that this is about that Marvel was about jokes, whereas DC were about uh, characters and motivations. And I thought, <laughs> did you fucking see this movie? Uh, we then watched a, uh, I think, was it seven minutes? Like, sort of Road to Civil War, like, super trailer, where they, uh, these these little editing geniuses got together bits and bobs from uh, the previous, what is it now, 12 Marvel movies and a few of the TV shows, and said, right, here is every important political social moment in all of those movies leading up to this point with that incredible bracing dun-dun-dun-dun music. And I was like, wow, wow, not a joke among this, and I am so down with this universe everything you, your quote Sharon was everything that I care about is in these films in some capacity mm, yeah. um, and it used to be Lord of the Rings for me and uh, Marvel has since uh, come in and very slowly very gradually taken over um, the the fairly kind of oh well it's all going to hell we may as well just retire which is most of what Tolkien seems to be about it's, it's moving forwards now you're right there is a possibility of homogeneity um, oh, I said, did I, did I get that right? <laughs> well done. It's a great word. Um, but I wish that uh, Fantastic Four, for example, had accidentally gone down the route of homogeneity with Marvel and been more like a Marvel movie and not like friggin' interstellar sort of kind of, no, we've given up, like halfway through. It, Very self-serious. Jesus Christ, that movie. And, you know, there is room, I think, for DC to do a different – I mean, I think they kind of have to because yeah. I like the Marvel movies. I'm already watching about four of them a year. If <laughs> I have to start watching eight of these a Double year, that, I'm, yeah. I'm going to get sick of it. Yeah, so I completely yeah. agree, yeah. I, I, it, it doesn't have to be literally what Marvel do. And I re- like I said, really love The Dark Knight. That is – like, basically, if a Marvel fan loves Marvel movies and also loves The Dark Knight, then clearly they don't literally have to be doing the same thing. And I, I think there's there, there's room for DC to do something. And I think in another lifetime, Zack Snyder, or with a different script, or if he actually liked this stuff, and I really don't think he does. Mm. You know, I think there's a. Re, I think it kind of makes sense that he's now made Zack Snyder's made three superhero movies, and the good one is Watchmen, in yeah. my in my opinion. Mm. And Watchmen is like the theme of Watchmen is superheroes are terrible and fascist and don't really work. And if you had them in the real world, you'd hate them. Mm. And, you know, I think he's ideally suited to that viewpoint, Yeah, which, which is fine. You know, I think that's a valid take on the material. 
a thing that the DC movies could do to set themselves apart is if you're going to lean so hard on the idea that these are gods, which which is fine. You know, I mean, Grant Morrison, you know, wrote the definitive modern Justice League and his entire take on it was this is not a superhero team. This is the Olympian pantheon. Mm -hmm. And it worked. If you're going to do that and make them these big, soaring, you know, choral, like the Ten Commandments, but with superheroes things, fuck yeah, I'm down for that. This isn't that. Yeah. You know, I, w- I would love to see a movie that takes itself as seriously as these, you know, as like the Jesus movies, you know, where there's, you know, it's all serious and it's all chorus and, you know, church singing and, you know, shafts of light you know, I would love to, you know, that's basically Alex Ross. I'd love to see, you know, that kind of thing treated to a Superman movie, but like done good. Yeah. And, I, and this is, is not that, and it, it doesn't work. So they need to be different, but not this. I keep thinking of George Miller's Justice League that almost was, and now post Mad Max. My God, I, th- I think it's, it's been mooted. Like, well, get, get him on Justice League quick now before it can change. Back to Zack Snyder again, and um, yeah, I mean, like when you were describing sort of the big call stuff, I just kept thinking of the the music in um, Fury Road when the water comes out at the beginning, and they're like. And if, have you ever seen Immortals? Yes. Piece love of goddamn it. bullshit. Oh, I, 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 <laughs> you liked it. I remember now, actually. Oh, it's yeah. bullshit, but I love it. Okay. I, I love that didn't it's it, bullshit. It had Henry Cavill in it, didn't it? Yes, it did. Oh, God. Yeah, no, see, that's what I'm thinking about with, like, asshole Immortals. Like, you know, that's what that version <laughs> of Justice League would be like. Um, anyway, to, uh, all I can remember is the guy with the sword hat. You know, he had, like, a hat <laughs> made of swords. I, it's it's kind of risky making the the Justice League put together all totally removed from society. And on that note, by the way, Batman's pulling together a team full of metahumans. Um, that kind of makes him Nick Fury in this because he doesn't have any powers of his own. It's like, you know, what do you do? I'm basically rich. I, I, I wish <laughs> I had been recording it because I distinctly remember – five or six years ago during the Christopher Nolan movies mm-hmm. talking with, with some friends and saying, you know how they would probably do the justice league movies yeah. if, if they did them now, because the only thing DC wants to make are Batman movies is they would kill Superman and then say, Oh, because there's no Superman. Now we need a team and make the whole movie about Batman going out and finding super people, <laughs> which Pretty is, sure. now- oh, wow. Which is now the movie that we've been promised. And I think the reason I was thinking of that was because of, do we remember the, the Saturday Night Live skit about the death of Superman? The, the payoff to that sketch is now the premise of the Justice League movie. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> I don't want to live in this world. <laughs> As I said before, just this dark... Okay, all right. Can I go back to something we were sort of touching on earlier regarding Batman killing? It's something that Sharon actually uh, came across while we were discussing this, which is that one of the reasons that it's it's actually comforting for kids to be able to relate to Batman and Superman, even though they are shadowy on one side and bright on the other, is that they are both, in and of themselves, a bright line. Um, we, we said on the um, Superman Returns show that... Um, 
many of the things that uh, Superman does in the original Donna films, if Con- Conroy Batman was stood behind him while he was doing those, he'd be saying, no. The idea being that it is ethically questionable to turn the Earth back on its uh, on its access to change time, and basically have Batman have a moral code that would al- allow him to make a judgment on the people he's up against to decide what is the best thing to do. Because ultimately, when you're a kid, your superheroes are the ones who show you how you know ultimately how to make choices about the world. Then when you're a grown-up and they're making the movies for you, they make them them more relatable and more conflicted. But um, they seem to have lost sight of that in, 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 in these films. And um, the last bright Superman we had, and maybe will have for a long, long time, was Superman Returns. Mm. And I think I said during the um, Man of Steel show, and if I didn't say it, I really should have done, the desaturated look for it depressed the hell out of me and most of the people who watched it. Yeah. When he puts on the costume for the first time, if it had been bright blue, and if he'd gone from that world of the sort of darkness and shadows, and then the moment he started doing good work and helping people, he brought a little colour into that world. Just did it stylistically, like um, a, a more subtle version of Pleasantville until you became, became more and more aware of it. And then basically by the end of the movie, rather than the big punching contest, he's brought colour to Metropolis. And then basically you, you then get a montage of him going all over the world and actually helping and fixing. And like... The idea being that until Superman came along, the world was grey and dark and, and the troubled world that we see today. And the Superman coming to Earth becomes this messianic figure simply because he gives us hope exemplified in colour. And crucially, the way that colour spreads goes to the people as well. And you see more life begin to return to their skin and the brightness to their eyes. Because Superman is an ideal. And the whole point of his work is not to put out individual fires, but to show us the merit of helping each other. That's what he's here for. Instead, it was dark, grey, drab, horrible. And then in this, it's dark, grey, drab, horrible. And as I said in my um, first impressions, um, Superman is basically Batman in this film. And Batman in his two suits of armour is double Batman. So you get the shadow. (laughs) And then the shadow shrouded in shadow. And at no point at anywhere is there colour or hope. And again, I come back to this guy crying with joy that he finally got at the at the end of the movie, the Martha. Your mum's called Martha? Boy, that's my mum too. Wonder Woman, you can't be in the Martha Club. Because it's so dark, there just isn't that line. There isn't that sense of uh, uh, that, that there is somebody making decisions that could conceivably be good. Ultimately, for, for that to then... The, the focus seems to be almost entirely on... Yeah, but if you think about it, he's, as, as Paul Kent would say, 
there's almost no point being nice to anyone, really, because you're just being selfish. You're just helping yourself, which is a really shitty attitude when you're taking on Superman. That sounds like a much better movie. That's, that's and not difficult to do. You, you could even almost, if you, if you're particular, like, if, I'm assuming you've seen the uh, resaturated version on YouTube of the, where they sort of they, they added the color back in that had yeah. been taken out of the original film. It's quite yeah. breathtaking. If you're a particular whiz at that kind of color editing, you could make that film yourself. <laughs> it, but the difficulty would be that Superman, over the space of two movies, uh, equating to about five hours worth of footage, uh, spends about five minutes actually helping people, maybe mm. ten. And that's depressing as all hell. Maybe that concept bores me. Bores, yeah, they were all in slow motion. And it was mainly to show his rippling pectoral <laughs> muscles. And to make it last longer. Yeah, but uh, it, just, it just seems like the idea of Superman helping people that, that can't help themselves because they're in the grip of terrible calamity bores the shit out of Zack Snyder. Yeah. And de- I, I've got to say David Goyer as well. Because we've been going on and on and on about Snyder, and obviously he has a huge amount of control over this. But the writing comes from Goya, and this is the director of Blade Trinity. I mean, he may be the writer of some good films, like Batman Begins is really good, and I felt a lot of Nolan in that. And he wrote the original Blade and Blade 2 as well, didn't he? But Goya on his own has said some really dumb things, such as, was it She-Hulk only exists so that Hulk has someone to fuck? Oh, God. no, that, that wasn't him. That was someone else. Oh, okay, right. Okay. Well, okay. Um, I, sh- I may have said that in a previous podcast. I should go back and edit that one. I, I, he, don't, I don't he, think that – I think that was – he was He was on – I think he was there, but I don't think he was the one that oh, said okay. it. Okay. Well, that, he was definitely the one who said that Martian Manhunter is boring, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, that sentence I, depresses me. Yeah. I, I did have some hope when I noticed that the uh, writer of the Justice League movie is not Goya, but then I realized that the writer of the Justice League mo- movie – um, Chris Terrio also co-wrote this. He, he also wrote Argo, so maybe with Goya completely out of the picture, Justice League will be better. And, and here's the thing. Should we move on to, like, what the hell are Warner Brothers going to do? Because right now we are on Weekend 2, and there has been a big drop in sales for tickets. So, question one. Do you think this will affect them at all? Because if it doesn't, we don't even have to have the next conversation. Question two, if it affects them and they think, we got to change some stuff... Imagine your CEO, both of you guys, and Sharon as well. What do you do very quickly to uh, change the production of Justice League? Because it's, it's, it's in motion right now. Ja- Zack Snyder is at the helm. Do you carry on? Do you change stuff? What? Oh, God. See, I, now, in this scenario, am I acting as a CEO of Warner Brothers now? <laughs> the current, the current... Or as myself, who has somehow miraculously become a CEO? They, they phoned you up and they said, Jerome slash Bob, slash Sharon, we need your expertise. The CEO has retired. He said, I can't do it. Too much pressure. We heard your podcast. In a panic, he has gone. You know what you're talking about, clearly. So you've got, you're in the hot seat. Billions, billions of dollars are resting on your decisions. What do you do? Take the money and run. <laughs> Bob, come on. Well, you got to have something. Oh, oh um... Well, if, if we're talking exclusively about Justice League, yeah. I find a way for Zack Snyder to not make that movie, mm-hmm. which is difficult because they've already signed him to do the movie. Yeah. You know, the, the, the movie is, is already kind of set up to go. And unlike the Marvel and Edgar Wright situation, this is not an Edgar who for a lot of the public. You know, this is take like taking Zack Snyder off of Justice League now 
is admitting failure. Yeah. Like, right, like, because right now, Warner Brothers can still spin the run of this movie. You know, they can still look at it and say, okay, we had an 81% drop off, but it's because we're making a different kind of movie. We were still open to number one. The fans really like it, quote unquote, the fans in quotation marks. You know, there's, there's room for them to do that. If it continues to fall, um, like, it's already fallen in its second week. If there had been another movie out this week, this movie would have come in second place, and I think Zack Snyder would be off of Justice League, and he would be doing, like, a smaller movie to get his cred back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, the fountain and they'd be promising that the other movies <laughs> would be better. Because a, a lot of the reality right now is much like, and this is, you know, we can thank Marvel for this, these things, uh, an object in motion tends to stay in motion. Mm-hmm. And people have been were saying for years, when is there going to be superhero fatigue? When is the Marvel thing going to roll out? When are we going to be done with this cycle? And done with a cycle when it came to genres used to mean a movie would come out and the audience would kind of go, eh, or it would be bad. And then it would go dormant for five years and they'd reconsider and then someone would make a good one and then it would come back five years later. I feel like that cycle happened last summer in the three months between Age of Ultron and (laughs) Ant-Man. Because that's how fast things move now is, you know, I I thought Age of Ultron was okay. And then, you know, it kind of got a meh reaction and then for three months kind of went, okay, hey, superheroes, maybe we need something else. And then, oh, no, wait, hey, Michael Douglas has ants. (laughs) <laughs> and, and they're and, adorable and everyone was back on board yeah yeah speaking of how fast things move actually one thing i wanted to ask was do you think that if they wait to see what the reactions are to suicide squad it will then be too late to change anything mm. yes uh, personally i do because they seem so dead set of on starting the train rolling now that by the time Suicide Squad could even have a influence on them, things would be too far ahead. And it would be like the changes that they'd be able to make would be far too jarring. And if they, sh- if, if, if they wait now, like Justice League will have been delayed by six months. Mm. To with, And it's not like delayed from, okay, let's write the script and figure out what this movie's about. The sets are built. They know what all the action scenes are. The previs is done. Like the, yeah. It takes yeah. a long time to make these movies. Like, the George Miller movie shut down two days before they were supposed to sh- start shooting. <laughs> All of those suits and sets and scripts and everything were built. I mean, there are... I have seen fully constructed animatonic Incredible Hulks for movies that were not made in, like, 1998. More than one. What that, year was that? Was it that the, the Dark Knight came out and they were like, whoa, this movie just made a huge amount of money? I think if uh, if Christopher Nolan had not been dead set against yeah. a DC universe, yeah. they would have made Batman versus Superman right after Dark Knight, yeah. which was the plan. Like what became With Brandon Batman, Ralph, yeah. What became Batman Begins was supposed to be a movie that their plan was we make a new Superman and then we make a new Batman, and then they team up for Batman versus Superman, and then there's Justice League. Hence the Batman-Superman posters that people have been throwing around uh, from uh, I Am Legend. Right. 
Yeah, they, they, they planned this for a long time, and that movie almost got made. I've read the Wolfgang Peterson script. It's yeah. not good, but it's better than this. <laughs> also, I'm so grateful the McGee film never came out. Jesus. Yes. Whatever. McG- what, McGee, what, what Zack Snyder's done with Superman McGee would make – like, at least people can pretend that this movie is really, really smart. <laughs> McGee's movies? Well, and, he had, and he had an awful script for that too. They had the J.J. Abrams script, which was terrible. Really? Maybe he's a better. Well, he's got to be a better director. Because that's, that's the thing. If I was going to get anyone to do a Superman film right now, and this is another thing, because it feels like they stuck the death of Superman here in, in at the end because they had no faith in another Man of Steel movie. They did not have time, or uh, they didn't have, want to really organize it around a straightforward death of Superman movie. On his own. They figured this character, much like the Hulk, doesn't work on his own. So we'll team him up with Batman. And then we'll shoehorn this this in at the end. No one will be expecting it. And no one will like it. No, I guarantee, like, no one cried over Superman being dead. Because everyone knows, the one thing everyone knows about Superman is that he dies and then comes back. So we're just like, oh, is he going to be back at the end of this one? Or have we got to wait? Oh, we've got to wait. Okay, that's fine. But no one was really thinking about it in terms of this Superman being dead. And even if they were, they were like, well, he's an asshole anyway, so... <laughs> not 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 a reaction that uh, that you that you should have. Yeah, nary a tear was shed for this one. Guarantee people could be crying over civil war. Yeah, you know, J.J. Abrams would probably be like a topping list of directors for for this stuff right now. Not from me. I've never cared for him. Oh, he he, he did a pretty good job with the Force Awakens making. You know, something that Disney, I imagine, sort of stage managed down to the last detail (laughs) and plugged J.J. Abrams in because the one thing he's objectively good at as a director is mimicking other directors' styles. And they they needed this to look like a George Lucas movie. Okay, okay. So good on on them. You know, they they wanted, we need this to look like this came out right after Return of the Jedi, and he did it, so good on him. I don't hate J.J., but he's a super limited instrument, Mm -hmm. in in my opinion. Well, at the same time, uh, like, sticking him on the Superman film would be like, this is fan service. We're giving you the shiny, and we're going to give you the bright and the blue, and this is the Superman you want, right, folks, right? Mm -hmm. And then they would probably get quite a good response for that. But his script wasn't that, which is the weirdest thing. Oh yeah, I've, I've actually read the original Batman v Superman scripts. No, that was uh, that, that was Andrew Kevin Walker. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. I've I've well, I've I've read the synopses across. It was if you look at the Superman Returns Wikipedia page, guys, that's where all of the what do we do with Superman went to, took place between Superman Four and Returns. They just didn't know, and clearly they still don't know. There, there's an amazing book called Superman versus Hollywood that chronicles the production of every Superman movie failed and completed. That is a must read. It is a particular interest of mine. I'm going to have to get that. Okay. J.J. <laughs> Abrams, Superman that you want. But yeah, I mean, te- technically that would be almost like a soft reboot as well. If you're checking <laughs> off Snyder, you're very deliberately hanging up the the hook on of that style. But at the same time, there would almost be a, a push to export the things that worked from this movie. So, for example, Affleck as Batman, ironically considering that's the thing everyone was bitching about, Affleck as Batman was generally well-received, mm. so people want to see an Affleck Batman solo film, so they might just fast-track that in as well. I think they are. I think they're going to. Yeah. I 
it depends on how much it falls. Like, it's going to get blown out of the box office by the Jungle Book. That was always going to happen. Kind but of. that's two weeks from now. Yeah. Like, if if it goes down to number two next weekend to, like, The Boss, <laughs> it, which it could. Melissa McCarthy is a huge star. She is. Yeah. It could happen. And oh, the... the and I feel like the same audience that could be relied on to say, you know, we need our dose of action, you know, so let's go see Batman v Superman again. The, like, young male action fans mm. are going to be lined up around the block to see whether or not Hardcore Henry is any good. Yeah. Because oh, man, if Hardcore Henry came out this weekend, it would clean up. Not not in as many theaters. Like, it would need to be in, in a bunch of theaters to more theaters than they can probably afford to put sure. Hardcore Henry in. Yeah. I feel like that's going into probably about a thousand theaters mm. so that they can make, you know, just make back what it cost while it's there and then, you know, head to streaming where, where it was supposed to be anyway. Yeah. Also, then the response would be, oh, it's nasty R-rated action films. So then the pendulum would swing back the other way and they'd be like, here was the problem with uh, Batman v Superman. It wasn't rated R. <sighs> or, it's not, or it's not Deadpool. Oh, speaking of which, it may as well have been rated R. If you're taking little kids to see this... Kids don't like this. I would imagine yeah, this- kids would cry when the actual fight happens and he's just beating him with a toilet. And you're like, <laughs> Batman, stop. Please, you're my hero. Stop hitting Superman. He's done nothing wrong. The miscalculation here is I want to, I'm not surprised because I've watched them try to put the movie together for 20 years. So, yeah. like, like, so much in this movie is the culmination of bad decisions I've been hearing them make for years. Yeah, yeah. Like, all of the stuff that was failed in all these other movies. You know, like, hey, let's not have a Wayne Man anymore. We don't need that. Let's have Batman actually kill some people. Let's kill Superman. All of these, like, bad ideas that they, like, come close to using and not u- using finally escaped into the wild. And they were a hodgepodge. It's, it's, it's disastrous. And I... I don't know whether or not Zack Snyder will make Justice League. Right now, he would kind of have to, mm-hmm. just contractual because contractual obligation. Yeah. Well, like contractual obligation. But I mean, Warner Brothers can get out of that contract. They wrote the yeah. contract. Yeah. They, if they want him gone, he's gone. All they have to do is promise to make that George Washington movie instead. Yeah. Because that's what he wants to do. Apparently, is make a movie about George Washington. They don't know what that's about. But he. Uh, I don't know if he makes it because if they take him off now, they've admitted failure and it becomes a story and now that movie is poison. Yeah. And and it's it's already poison now because people looking at the box office from Batman v Superman are not going to look at Justice League and say, you know, hey, let's uh, let's give them 4 weeks because they're going to kill our movies. You know, someone's going to open a movie the the very next week a big movie is going to come out after Justice League. Yeah. Unless both Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman are the biggest hits ever. <laughs> well, hang on, is Suicide Squad rated R? No, it's not. It's it's, it's still going to be PG thirteen, isn't it? Yeah, they they promised that from yeah. they they like the day after they said no, this is still a PG thirteen movie, which is meaningless now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So long as no one gets their tits out, it's a PG thirteen. Yeah. And if you're James Cameron, not even that. <laughs> so long as, as uh, um, Harley Quinn isn't literally naked, then we'll be all right. Still PG-13. 
<sighs> but like I said, like, I, when I was watching, I was like, there was a little kid sat right next to me, and you know, we, he was like, "Oh, I want to see Angry Birds?" When we were watching the uh, the the opening trailers, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, you're not gonna like this movie, much, yeah, kid." And uh, he was just stony quiet the whole way through. <laughs> this is not for you, son. I'm so sorry. I I, I, I can't stick the empirical this. This must be for children. But if it's going to be like this, it may as well not be, is what I meant. Yeah, it's... I don't know... Like, I know who they think the audience is for this, but I I think they vastly overestimated how much that audience is. I... Warner Brothers has been obsessed, ironically, with, like, the internet fan community ever since Batman and Robin. Yeah. Because they blame Harry Knowles for Batman and Robin not working. And they've, they've been, like, fawningly following all the chatter about this stuff. And you can see that in the way that they're obsessed with Batman, that it needs to be dark, and that it needs to be made for the older trade paperback audience. I don't think that they they quite realize that there's much more of an audience to be had with the people who are buying the, the toys that you're now not selling. It, yeah. it's, it's a case of the vocal minorities are the ones that they're listening to. Mm. Significantly, the vocal minorities were the ones who were there day one, you know, along with me. But then they all saw Batman v Superman, and there needs to be a lot more people behind them who want to see it week two. Also, it doesn't help when this vocal minority writes clickbait articles along the lines of, Batman v Superman is too smart for fans of Marvel movies, because that's not going to encourage recurring new audiences the vocal minorities in this case line up very much with warner brothers general corporate thinking mm-hmm. you know which is why sell 25 dollar action figures to a seven-year-old when we can sell a five a fifty thousand dollar life-sized resin statue of ben affleck to mm-hmm. super hardcore adult fans which i'm not making up is an actual product right. yeah you, oh you yeah, I've seen it. Life-sized action figures of people from this movie, and knowing the internet being the internet, I don't know how Gal Gadot said yes to that. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that there. Don't know who <laughs> said that's. This is a product that I really want associated with me for the next, you know, fifty years of my life. Speaking of which. <laughs> actually it was speaking of which from a while back when we were talking about the core audience thank the living god superman uh for lego batman i'm assuming <laughs> you've, you've you've seen the trailers you can't not have done yeah oh. were you looking at the old family pictures again no i wasn't Sir, I've seen you go through similar phases in 2016 and 2012 and 2008 and 2005 and 1997 and 1995 and 1992 and 1989 and that we're not Alfred. What did I say? A B R. Always be recording. I am 
so much looking forward to that. It appears to be the real Justice League. It's really weird when you watch a trailer um, before a movie. Now, this is probably the last time I'll actually smile. Yeah. For the rest, for the next two and a half hours. Don't put the Civil War trailer on before I see Batman v Superman. <laughs> I, the Lego Batman's trailer is great, and I've I've looked at their synopsis, and it mm. sounds like such a good movie. It's, um, which oh, trailer did you guys get? Both. Oh, there was the, the the one where he's beatboxing, and then he puts on the lobster thermidor. Ah, yes. That and is then classic. there's the um, Rafe finds his Alfred. Do you want to talk about your feelings, sir? No, 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 no. And, uh, yeah, the, the Synopsis Kids is, um, it's all about Robin and uh, a Batgirl and um, the fact that Batman is extremely lonely. And this is the only film that, where they can actually touch on the idea of him having wards. Uh, because for some reason there's some folks at Warner Brothers who are like, what, he has these kids around the house? Ugh, he must be touching them. In which case, we don't do that at <laughs> all. <laughs> Hey, I didn't say it. It's their line of thinking. No, my wow is, yeah, they actually probably think that. They totally think that. That's why well, we haven't they, they seen Robin since Batman and Robin. They don't want the Batman and Robin jokes. They're mm. still hung up on this on, on that whole thing. And it's and even then they brought in a Robin who was like, oh, no, no, this guy is fully of age. He and Batman could quite legally have sex. Uh, <laughs> they're not in several states. That He's not a child molester. Stop saying he is. Uh, so, like, the, the idea of Batman hanging out with a 12-year-old boy, Dick Grayson, appalls them on a gut level. Now, for me, however, <laughs> the idea of, like, like, when we saw The Dark Knight Rises and we were talking about, okay, this is a really dark pendulum swing, which means that the next Batman we see, don't know how many years, maybe they'll bring him in with, uh, with Man of Steel, uh, also after Man of Steel, um, maybe he'll be more like... Uh, a little bit more like your, your animated Batman, because at this time, this point, Man of Steel was still a year off. Maybe he'll be a bit more fun, and maybe we'll get a young Robin. And the idea of, wouldn't it be awesome to spend a weekend hanging out with Batman for the core audience of Batman fans who are about Robin's age? <sighs> yeah, I... Uh, I don't know. This thing, eventually you run out of stuff to feel about this. Yeah, mm. you know, it's. I, I'm sorry to exhaust you and numb you to this. No, no, it's 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 just it's especially because I'm I'm like I'm now paid to think about this stuff yeah. for, for a certain amount of, of the of the week, and I I don't know what they do now because they have no good options. You know, I mean, they, they're they, almost in check at this point. They're like, if I move left and away from Snyder, then that's admitting that Snyder sucks and that this thing's poison. If I move right and with Snyder, then we're belligerently carrying on with the thing that people manifestly hate. Yeah. And it's poison and it's poison and it's poison. How do we, you know what? Um, unless they publicly go, like, make a thing that says, okay, it was too dark. We'll lighten it up. Yeah. Just something that says, we get it, guys. But that almost requires more humility than Warner Brothers are publicly capable of. If I can, I can imagine one scenario that has, I don't know any precedent to it, mm-hmm. but I, I can see that there's like a small, and again, I'm this, this is like the most useless bullshit thing I'll say because I'm not a Hollywood business insider. I have no, you know, like deep understanding of the way the business works, but I know the history of it and have seen like directors get moved on and off projects before the fact that they were always only going to have Snyder do the first Justice League movie, mm-hmm. 
could be a way for them to kind of get get uh, if if they end up needing to like if this dives again next week and you know loses a ton more money which is kind of difficult because how much farther is there to go and it's still going to have all of its theaters yeah i suppose people could be like should we go to the cinema this this, this evening nah what's on to see batman v superman don't want to see it yeah i i don't i don't know if it comes in if it starts to come in second or third like if if the boss comes out and does really well and zootopia continues to just latch on to number two and then batman v superman goes down to three or four then i think that you start seeing them like saying you know what we have nothing else to lose we need to say okay snyder's not doing the next justice league we're gonna put that on hold and think about it and then announce another director if they aren't going to do that there there could conceivably be the possibility of finding the person that they really want to direct justice league and announcing very early hey, this person is going to direct Justice League Part 2 and therefore will now become co-director of Mm, Justice League Part mm, 1. And then very gradually over a certain amount of time, you know... will stop coming into work. (laughs) All of this is contingent on Snyder playing ball, which he seems to be a ball player, uh, and saying, okay, I will... The way he photographs the male form is to be, uh, yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he would have to like you know consent to being moved off of Justice League and placed mm. onto another project that he would rather do, and he's got plenty. Yeah, you know, he's got all these things lined up that he wants to do, none of which are these DC movies. That a million dollars to make Fountainhead. Let him do his Anne Rand thing. That's great. That could be a way to 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 get out of it, and then you know say at some point, hey, you know the person doing Justice League Two has been directing more of Justice League One, and now we're just going to delay it a few months so that they can get all of that right together. Uh, the saving grace of of for Warner Brothers might be the fact that they did not lock everything in the way Marvel did, where they're not yeah contracts yeah. They're supposedly not paying as much attention to the way everyone else makes their movies. Mm-hmm. Like David Ayer didn't have to ask anyone what the Joker should be like. He just made his version of the Joker and DC said, well, that's our Joker now. So that's how you get a hodgepodge. Okay, yeah. the same with the Jesse Eisenberg thing. You're not making brunch. You're not just sort of throwing stuff into the pan and letting too many cooks. Oh, let's, that can only improve the broth. It's... <laughs> some form of authorial that's the problem the problem is that there's no authorial control there's no sense of somebody directing this i i feel like the authorial control was david ayer you will make a pg-13 movie for the first time in your life oh, <laughs> uh, the other thing that really worries me is that Zack snyder and deborah snyder are producing wonder woman and we haven't really talked about wonder woman because there's barely anything to talk about everything in the trailer you've seen of her um and Patty Jenkins, director of Monster, is directing. She's not done big Greek goddess action films before. Uh, I hope she can retain her, especially now. If 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 Zach's if Zach's name is Mud, she might. I mean, it's it's going to be done now, isn't it? It's going to be finished. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they've done it. Like, that's that's in the bag. It's written, and this is the other thing that really bothers me by a guy named Jason Fox. And Jason Fox wrote Pan and Ice Age: Continental Drift. Mm. <laughs> Pan was so bad, it lost $25 million. And yep. that was his big adventure movie recently. 
the chances of Wonder Woman being anything better than mediocre are really low. And that bothers me more than anything else. Just that this movie, starting with um, Man of Steel, when Nolan was still somewhat involved with this, this the ethos and the, the, the world building has poisoned a lot of movies moving forwards in a way that's going to be very difficult to unpick and it would require some really you know clever, careful moving around of people and money and project times to actually undo this shit. And Wonder Woman is a big deal, a really big deal. They've got several years up on Marvel in terms of delivering the first major female superhero like the, you know, the, the idea that, that this was put on hold time and again thanks to Catwoman and Elektra bothers the hell out of me but that it's now coming out and that it, it's highly likely to be played by this kind of nothing nobody of an actress I don't want to be nasty about Gal Gadot I made that clear before I'm tolerating her as Wonder Woman because I don't have a say in it she's very pretty but I didn't get much from her and you know she's got this accent and that's about it to her now obviously this film is the, her chance to shine if she doesn't shine here that's their wonder woman buggered and it's not just any old film this is the first wonder this is the one that people are going to remember they're, they're waiting until green lantern has passed out of living memory before they bring back the green lantern core and that's just another white guy superhero this is the female superhero marvel didn't even have a Wonder Woman character, really, until they started going, you know what, Carol should probably be put front and center. That's how important Wonder Woman is. And if if this movie is anything to, to be shown, do you guys remember the point where like uh, Doomsday knocks her down and she's sort of lying there, legs splayed, sexually kind of, hey, this guy can keep hitting, but I'll keep coming up. And just... That was about the only thing, apart from the Golden Lariat, that wasn't in the trailer of Wonder Woman. And when Bruce is sleezing up behind her and sort of like whispering in her ear, I can't remember what he said, but he's basically being Archer. And Yeah. (laughs) And and just the whole thing, her whole character seemed to be predicated upon, well, she probably could destroy him balls first. So (laughs) she's the one holding the power at this point. But most of what she did was kind of like going onto Wonder Woman's laptop and going, okay, so double-click on this super early preview of uh, Aquaman. Yep, that looks like ass. Okay. Did you get the sense watching the way her character and her reveal is played out in the movie that they had no intention originally of telling anyone Wonder Woman was in this movie until it came out? Yeah, it kind of felt like we're going to need a few more strings to our bow at some point because Marvel were doing big things and they were like, we got to get people excited. So, Because, I mean, the, if I had not known that Wonder Woman was in this movie at all, like as, as, as big a pop as she gets when it comes up, the moment when there's no, this is why I, I think Zack Snyder really is a good director, just mm-hmm. maybe not of things that he's had a hand in creatively, mm-hmm. is... If we had not known that she was Wonder Woman, if there was just this mysterious woman who could be anyone that Bruce Wayne was hanging out with, and Mm -hmm. then, you know, she corrects him about a piece of Greek architecture, and then throughout the movie, you know, I'm kind of thinking, oh shit, wait, is, could, could this be happening? And, (laughs) and then. This sounds like such a better movie. Yeah. And then, but the thing is, it's the same movie, it's just a different trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Because she does that. 
they're they're looking at the dagger, and he says it's a it's a fake uh, it's a fake one, and she goes, I know, mm. and you know, and, and it, it's a a big thing. The moment when he pop when she pops open the email and it's a picture of her in Wonder Woman uniform and Bruce saying, "Who are you?" Mm. Like the theater would have like the reviews for this movie, it would have been just as bad. The reviews would have been. Like, it would have been C-pluses across the board just on people going nuts. But, also, can you imagine a version of this film without Wonder Woman at all, and would it have been any different? I would have been completely bored in the last act, more so than (laughs) (laughs) Doomsday, well, how about just that um, Superman flies off for just a moment after Lois drops the spear in and then falls in and starts to drown, and oh... Well, no, the way the way they get with Doomsday is just instead of shooting a nuke and bring them back down, just let yes. Superman fly him out into the universe and he's done. Yeah, and uh, or yeah, you know, or, or just like had had that fight go in a slightly different way, but basically you could digitally remove Wonder Woman from uh, from those scenes that she's in and just trim that away, and no one would go. It feels like there was something missing because she so lifts out, and again that bothered me because it doesn't feel like she has any real impact on proceedings. She held. Like she kept him busy for a bit, she slashed at him, and she held him back with the lariat for like a moment while Superman, you know, flew in and spiked him in a way that like that was stupid. It was stupid. It's like okay, right. Here's my only weakness. I am so desperate to die for humanity that I'm going to be the one who does this. How about hey, Wonder Woman, catch? Yeah. Like okay. The person you you can pretty sure she she can fight with the sword and the spear. Why not give it to the person who's like been. Yeah. holding him back this entire time. I and mean, frankly, Batman could have leapt off a ledge with the with the with his pokey spear and like I've been dying to use this thing. Wada <laughs> Or throw but, the spear. Yeah. <laughs> and then Arnold Vosloo runs and he goes, No But yeah, no, I, I just felt like Wonder Woman didn't need to really be there. But thank God she was because that gave us at least something to but, give this movie a bit more form. I don't know. I, I really do feel like they wrote her in as their version of the Nick Fury moment. Yeah. You know, that this was like, you know, like what, you know, like Iron Man is a pretty damn good movie that kind of loses track of itself in the last half hour. And, but, but it has a great pop right before the credits. And then everyone went home out of their fucking minds because Samuel L. Jackson showed up. Yeah. But Samuel L. Jackson doesn't, I love Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr. is great. Samuel L. Jackson doesn't show up at the end of that movie. I don't know what happens because, like, they were gambling that telling people the Avengers is coming, we're serious this time, that people were going to go nuts, and they did. And I, I feel like they put Wonder Woman in this specifically as a way to say, oh, yeah, no, we're not kidding. It's not just Batman and Superman. There's all these other people mm. out there, and this was our moment. People would have gone home all anyone would be talking about is, holy shit, can you believe that chick was Wonder Woman? What a twist. And that means we're getting all these movies now. Mm. On one hand, I feel like Marvel blinked too early by showing a Spider-Man too early. If they'd held that back until opening night, uh, uh, I, people would have been talking about Spider-Man going home. But I also think that that actually shows that Civil War's strong and they want people to be talking about something else other than the webhead. Mm. And the actual core conflict of it is worth... Like, come for the webhead, stay for everything else in Civil War. I am a bit depressed that I know Spider-Man's in there. Are you? Well, that's, I'm someone who, like, I've, Would I've said to this to, that, yeah. like, I, I skip trailers. Yeah. Besides, that's why, like, when Vision appeared in Age of Ultron, like, I didn't see that coming at oh, all. Oh, nice. So, if, 
it's just like I have that moment when I find out like I I would have enjoyed more just learning that in the movie. Yeah, and it's well, like, I didn't just Fox... ruin it for you, did I? No, no, I'd already like <laughs> the think... minute I hadn't watched the trailer, but Twitter exploded with the image it immediately. Yeah. yeah, well, and even but... even before they had the trailer, even before the, I think I agree, I would have loved to see Spider-Man show up as a surprise in Civil War. Mm. I think mm-hmm. that would have been great. I think they, I think they were hamstrung from being able to do that in the sense that as soon as Amazing Spider-Man Two came out and bombed. Mm. Oh yeah. Every, everyone in the world knew that something had gone wrong, and then every news site, not even trailers, on the planet had already reported, "Hey, you know, the Russos wanted Spider-Man to be in Civil War, and Mar- and Marvel said we can't do it because of Sony, so instead they put Black Panther in it." Yeah, like like that had already been widely reported. So I think the minute that they announced we're doing a new Spider-Man movie, people would it would have gotten out that he was in Civil War. And if they hadn't put him in the trailer, people would have assumed, oh, he's got to be, like, the whole point of this movie. And then if he shows up and isn't the whole point of the movie, people would have been down. Like, you know, people would have been asking, where's Poochie? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh no, sorry. I, I want to make, like, I, I'm more disappointed in myself because, like, I've broken my own sort of... It's, it's just something that I'm normally able to do that I didn't... Because I'd actually forgotten the whole Spider-Man being reacquired thing. Mm-hmm. In like the interim, yeah. This is all mainly down to marketing, though. I think yeah, I think you're right, uh, Bob. That uh, most likely marketing just splurged Wonder Woman because they were mm-hmm. like, we need some stuff to get people to come and see this. Mainly down to the fact that people came out of Man of Steel going, ugh. So they needed something like you know something beyond Superman because it almost seems like Warner Brothers hates Superman just as much as uh, Zack Snyder does. They're like like he's his horrible contractual obligation that they've got to keep trying. Well, and it's a talking point too because once they said Wonder Woman's going to be in the movie, this became the first thing yeah, of the yeah. very limited number of things they have that they can say. Okay, Marvel, what next? Yeah, you know, here's Wonder Woman. Everyone and their mother knows that, you know, one of the huge problems with, you know, the Marvel things coming out is that all of the characters are played by white guys named Chris. <laughs> and, and you know, that you have very few black characters and no women other than Black Widow who is only ever a sidekick in other people's movies. It is dumb so, as shit that we have not got a Black Widow movie, by the way. For God's sake. It writes yeah, itself. I, the Red Room. Come on. Like, I, I understand that Marvel was super cheap when they were uh, when when they were doing the Paramount thing, and that's why these contracts were signed that way. But I could have told them that Scarlett Johansson in an action movie was going to be a star. Yeah, you know, I mean, she was already a star. I mean, when they got her for Iron Man, the joke was, "Wow, they went and got Scarlett Johansson to play this bit part in an Iron Man movie." Yeah, <laughs> you know. Oh, speaking like of one of the biggest female stars in the world who can open, you know, a weird little bizarre thing like Lucy to a hundred million domestic. Yeah. Speaking of, by the way, some people have mentioned it, but I was one of the first that I could I can remember saying this Batman v Superman is your Iron Man too. Almost exactly in structure as well. Just yeah. in, in terms of like your your evil um, Justin Hammer, Lex Luthor trying to get a big fight, and then basically your Tony Stark slash Superman versus Rhodey uh, in the domestic setting, and they're punching each other up and, and then smashing a bunch of concrete, and that's the fight you don't really want to happen, even though it's supposed to be fun. 
And at yeah. the end, they team up with this sudden super hot fi- female. Although rather than um, Black Widow, who's been sort of mysteriously walking around being all mysterious and beautiful, uh, having her own hallway fight, she turns up for the main event. And they're basically saying, look, Justice League slash Avengers is going to be awesome. And then there's a big, completely pointless final fight, which has nowhere near the kind of actual, like, character motivation riding on it that the first fight had. Mm. And it all ends in a kind of... Well, although one thing Batman v Superman has over it is that it actually does end on that dramatic note that should have got everyone going, oh, no, Superman's dead. But it's it's kind of like Jesus dying at the end of the movie on the yeah. cross. Like, you, you'll, you know he's going to be back. And this is not the same case as Groot at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy or the Iron Giant because neither of them, once you know the final outcome of their sacrifice and regeneration, in neither of those cases does their sacrifice seem meaningless. In this case, though, all I could feel was the meta story of we have to have the death and return of Superman, so that sacrifice really did feel meaningless. Yeah. Well, it, it looks, it's also, I mean, it's obvious because everyone's heard of Death of Superman. Yeah. Like, as soon as Lex Luthor says, this is your doomsday. Yeah. Oh, God. You know, we, it's like everyone kind of goes, oh, okay, right. Gotcha. A guy literally okay, yeah. okay, groaned in the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly the same so, as uh, the end of uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. We're like, wow, okay, so, so Spock didn't die. Okay, well, so that happened. I wonder if they're going to be the search for... Co- nope, they've wrapped it up already. Okay, fine, that's fine. That being said... Star Trek Into Darkness, I really cared about Kirk. I really cared about Spock, the performance of the two actors, the performance of Michael Giacchino on the score, and, of course, J.J. Abrams directing. One of my favourite directors of all time. Star Wars, my favourite movie of 2015. So Kirk's death really still did have meaning, even if it is resolved very, very quickly. Because that's contingent. That's the whole point of the story. We'll, we'll do an Into Darkness very soon. But that's the story. <laughs> It's, uh, I have, I, I have no idea. I wonder if this means that Justice League will, will actually do the death of Superman story. Like if this is there, because, you know, it, the, <laughs> death, of Superman, kid? the, the death of Superman, the trade sells a lot, but the reign of the Superman sells a lot. Yeah. And, and steel and the eradicator and oof. all of that nonsense. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Although they're, they seem to be teasing that some of that stuff is in Supergirls next season. So, okay. maybe. Until they break everything open with a multiverse in Justice yeah. League 2, right? See also uh, Avengers um, Infinity Part 2, which, oh, by the way, happens like within months of each other. That Those two will be com- aren't coming out. And uh, I'd imagine if, if there's things that aren't working, that's the time to fix them. They're they're leaning hard on the on the idea of the of the multiverse. Supposedly, Jeff Johns' actual big contribution to Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I forget where this was originally posted. Was Jeff Johns explaining how he thought the DC continuity was going to work? Was that he got a call that he needed to come in and take a, a meeting with the big people at Warner Brothers? Ah, gotcha. And and it was the they CW. had said. Uh, you know, well, what do they want to talk about? And they said, I got in the room and they said, okay, explain to us what a multiverse is. Motherfucker. <laughs> and uh, because apparently they had not like cued in that that's the idea. And the takeaway from this, at least that he seemed to think 
was that Warner Brothers was going to use the DC multiverse precedent as an excuse to not have to connect to the TV shows or any Netflix projects and the movies with each other and just say, oh, those are all in a different universe, and if we want them to cross over, that's how we'll do guest spots. Yeah. So that would be like the DC multiverse becomes a reason not to plan the way Marvel does because everyone can just visit from Earth Flash or something anyway. Yeah. Oh, God. Which is how, if I was running others, that's how I would get out of this. I mean, yeah. that, that's oh, why yeah, yeah. Was, comics have a built-in excuse. I, the, yeah. I feel like I would just, like, with the Justice League, start again. Like, this this yeah. is poison and a broken world that no one wants to know. It's, it's Amazing Spider-Man 2. We've already had this discussion, Bob, and I think we were both in thorough agreement. Just ditch it. Etch a sketch this yeah. shit. Put it on hold, yeah. reuse the sets, and just, you know, add some, like, don't desaturate it when it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they might even take the opportunity to recast Cavill, because people don't seem to even really like him. So if he's going to come back from the dead, total recast. But keep Affleck, because people like him now. Kryptonian yeah. hibernation, it changes yeah. your face sometimes. The sleep and return of Superman. <laughs> and now he's the Doctor. Yeah. and But make sure he has the mullet. Whatever happens, he has to have the mullet. <laughs> <laughs> I know that it will weird tangent. Oh, sorry, go on, Bob. No, no, you go ahead. Weird tangent. I'm kind of sad that um, Doomsday didn't have his wrestler hair. Mm, his Hulk Hogan yeah. shower curtain hair and his little green underoos. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also kind of sad that he didn't see wrestling on TV and, and decide, yes. I, I like wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Some camp, please. It would have been really taken everyone by surprise. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, um, right. So uh, let's let's wrap this up because I think we've kept um, everyone as long as we possibly can. I'll just say a few more things. Um, there Lois- are a few things I want to quickly touch on. Okay. Um, it, it is sort of like a big thing because it's how they've teased the next movie. Go for it. They've made the m- mistake of doing the whole dream sequence and people hallucinating or imagining people different places. Mm-hmm. Now, that would be fine if the key way that you're trying to set up the new universe doesn't just seem like a weird dream for Bruce Wayne who's going slightly insane. Because yeah. they have the double nightmare wake-up sequence, but the second nightmare is actually supposed to be a future premonition that yeah. he's somehow having and then when he wakes up the flash is traveling back through time to tell him very non-specific news yeah <laughs> you were right not to trust him <laughs> great I'll come back flash. Too soon. <laughs> and one last thing on around that the whole sequence where superman's like out in on the mountains on the ice and he's talking to his dad now two things could happen there like in my mind that happened there either this is a story his dad told him and he's just purposing repurposing this to his specific situation or he's making that all up and he's justifying the fact that so many people have died because of him that just because he loves lois it's okay yeah yeah. Oh my god. And that's the other thing. That's the Superman story. You know I mentioned the Batman story? The um this is how he stops killing. The Superman story needs to be you're obsessed with Lois Lane. Let 
her go. Yeah. Well, Lois is dead in the next one, right? Yeah. May as well be. I mean, there's the the brief gap where Superman's asleep, so who's going to save her from her and never pull... You took her away from me. That was Batman, not double Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because, I mean, it's... I mean, he has the night. He has the nightmare about the dark side type future, yeah, where yeah. Superman is mad about someone female dying. Yeah, so and, many people were confused about that. Yeah, super Nazis. And, and then, and then Batman wakes up, and the Flash is yelling at him. Mm-hmm. I and, thought it was Cyborg first time. That's so vague as to what what it actually was because they like. Yeah, carry on. Sorry. Well, no, it, it's 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 bizarre. Well, and also we, you know, I don't think enough people know what Ezra Miller looks like. Yeah, yeah. So you know, hey, who is this? And he doesn't look enough like the Flash for it yeah. to matter. He had like but, a weird Iron Man armor suit on. Yeah, I hope that's like so we can time travel or something. But I would not put it past the makers of this movie to decide. No, you know, the Flash looks dumb in pajamas. We really need him to wear armor because <sighs> that's what someone who moves fast would need. Uh, but <laughs> the, the Justice League are just going to look like eight Iron Man, yeah, and one Iron Maiden, and and you know Cal Drogo, man visibly holding his breath underwater. God, nobody. He you, looked so you did twenty-one takes, and that was the best one. <laughs> <laughs> I will admit. I was quite surprised how much time they gave to the whole cy- whole cyborg setup thing, but yeah. that's probably only because no one knows who he nobody is. Nobody knows who it is except for the fans. But again, that's a big deal. Like, is that coming up before Black Panther? I've, I've actually got my list. My list of this versus this. Uh, it's uh, cyborgs April third, twenty twenty, and Black Panther. Oh, considerably earlier, February sixteenth, twenty eighteen. So yeah, Marvel are up on that. But I mean. Today we hear that the Flash movie is actually the Flash and Cyborg movie. Really? Oh. Supposedly. Oh. So, okay. Supposedly a lot of the DC movies are team-up movies. Uh-huh. So, that, so, so Cyborg is Cyborg and Aquaman? No How's that going to work? The Cyborg we need to get rid of, near to a river. The Cyborg movie, for all we know, might be like the origin after we've already seen him be with the Flash. Yeah. Is, that, is Aquaman going to be like Nightboat? We keep doing this instance here, but basically, like he's only really useful to the to the league when they're near water. So if they're in space, he's useless. Well, he's also really strong because he lives at crush depths. But of that's course, yeah. you know, later. Well, as long as we've got such a fantastic actor like the guy who played the rebooted Conan, then um, we'll, we'll be fine. Oh no, we aren't. We don't have such a fantastic actor, so we're screwed. Yeah. Oh, and Shazam. Oh. I I will be amazed if they make that movie. Yeah. Yeah. How do you even do it? Because, like, what, what what age boy do you cast at that point who won't be back in another Shazam movie for five years? He's going to be a 30-year-old man disillusioned by the events of the previous movie. Oh, my God. Zack <laughs> <laughs> <Sex> Snyder. <laughs> Supposedly, they've been saying that the the Shazam movie will not be part of the DC Universe movies. Oh, that makes me happy. Because multiverse. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, now they're using that. Can it be Lego Shazam, please? We could do that. I, 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 I don't know how that movie works. Like, I would, I, I know how that movie works, but they can't make it. Yeah, <laughs> you're 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 not allowed to advertise the name of your character is kind of a big deal. I know. 
Yeah. Mar- Marvel will have a movie called Captain Marvel in theaters by then. Oh, yeah, no. April 5th, Shazam, apparently, if that happens at all. March 8th, Captain Marvel versus Captain Marvel. Jesus Christ, what a mess. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna blink on that. I mean, the, especially with the only person that they kind of have saying yes to it is The Rock saying that he'll be Black Adam. Yeah. And they rock way early. They cast Black Adam years before. They haven't even cast the Shazam yet. I feel like they just kind of cast like, listen, Rock, you will eventually be in one of our Superman superhero movies. Oh my god, I've just worked out who Shazam is. If if the Rock is Black Adam, John Cena. Perfect casting, done and done. Want that? Yeah, immediately. So if you you get a little kid like that kid who was in Real Steel. Like a little, you know, not precocious, but like he feels like a real kid. He was also young Thor. Obviously now he's going to be way too old, but someone like that, someone who yeah. like um, is inspired by the then inspiring Superman. <laughs> and um, have you ever seen that uh, Shazam animated short? Just um, do that. Which one? It's, yeah, it's, which... it's called Superman Shazam. It's, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 And uh, yes, little Billy Batson, uh, inspired by Superman, there's a big old punch up with Black Adam, and you just you just build the film around that. Yeah. Um, I would okay. absolutely believe that John Cena is actually a ten year old boy who says a magic word. Uh, <laughs> straight away. <laughs> and I'm yeah. a fan. And I'm not you know like I'm not shitting on Cena. I'm gonna go right from here to watch WrestleMania. So. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, looking at uh, 2018. The Avengers Infinity War Part 1, the biggest fucking movie of all time, is, is on May 4th. May 23rd, just a few short weeks afterwards, is DC's only offering for that year. The f- Oh, hang on. No, for, for that, se- that season, because Aquaman comes afterwards in July. The Flash. The Flash versus Avengers Infinity War, although you now say it's going to have Cyborg as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. With, with The Flash probably still on TV in another yeah. form. Yeah. <laughs> Getting a solid following. So there's plenty of people going, this ain't my flash. Poor, I mean, poor Ezra Miller as well. He yeah. has got a lot to follow. Um, and, you know, he's a talented young actor by all accounts. So much of this wouldn't matter if we were talking about Batman v Superman being like a critically hailed, you know, runaway mega hit that everyone loves. Mm-hmm. Like all of this would be like, oh, hey, well, you know what? The multiverse is going to work. Sure, there's room for two flashes because everyone loves this stuff. Everyone came out of that. I don't know one person <laughs> who I have seen online in my personal life talking about this movie. I haven't seen any chatter on like Twitter, anything else, of people coming out of this movie going, guys, holy shit, Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> I totally saw Aquaman and he destroyed a camera. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> and you see Flash, he stopped a, a robber. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. He moved really fast. You could see it. It was on grainy CCTV, but you could see it. Oh, for mm. God's sake. And Cyborg is a person. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> He's a Good. guy who exists. Good. One last thing. Yeah. They fucking killed off Mercy. Did, they, did she die? Yeah, she was in the oh. courtroom. Oh, God, she was. Yeah. yeah. They fucking killed Mercy. Maybe he can remake her with a robot body. That that was um, uh, Mariko Yoshida from uh, The Wolverine, the same yeah. actress. Yeah. Oh, 
Okay, this this feels. I'm getting deja vu here, Bob, because this feels like Amazing Spider-Man Two. This feels like uh, okay, we're gonna throw all of our money into advertising the living shit out of this, even though it's been tweaked and twisted and changed from what it was originally gonna be, and now deformed because we got all of these hopes for a Sinister Six movie and uh, a Venom movie and an Aunt May movie. I shit you not, people. And but but we've already got Wonder Woman coming out. We that that's the problem. That's the difference. This is not a sort of like you know testing the water thing. We've got Suicide Squad. We have got Wonder Woman. It's going to be real interesting to see what they do with this. And I, I hope that this really bad reception, in fact, gives them the impetus to go. Let's kind of go back to the drawing board with the whole Justice League here thing. Figure this one out. Let's not focus group this. Let's actually get in someone who knows what the hell they're doing. And maybe get, you know, just like talk to the DC creative team. Talk to the guys who are doing DC. Is it Rebirth now? Like They're going back to basics with their new 52, bringing it back to what it was. And from, you know, from the people I've spoken to, some, some good things are happening there. So uh, that would be my suggestion. It, it, pig-headedly pushing forwards with this one seems like a really, really freaking bad idea. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Delay, delay the Justice League movie. That yeah. that would be my thing. Just just. There's like, no shame in saying. Look, there's no shame in learning from your mistakes. Yeah, like you don't have to say that it's a mistake. You know, you don't even have to move Zack Snyder out yet. <laughs> you, you just say, hey, you know, Justice League, we think needs a little more work. Um, we've got. We want to go in a different direction. Hey, you know, maybe we, we, we've decided we would like uh, the people from the TV shows to be in the movie anyway. Could be a reason to delay. Yeah. Mm. Bring in the multiverse somehow. It could happen. Yeah. Um, and thank you guys so, so much for bearing with me on this. It's, uh, it's, it's quite a tough film to, to talk about. And, uh, yeah. it's, uh, I've been holding it in since I first watched it. Because <laughs> nobody around me has. <laughs> We've ended up talking about it more than almost any other movie, aside from, say, maybe that brilliant movie Star Wars that came out last year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which we talked about for, like, four hours. Okay. Okay, I would put it to you guys that they were doomed from the start with this being a death match. Uh, there's, uh, if anyone's seen the, uh, the Superman uh, animated series, three-parter, World's Finest, there's a really great um, sort of Batman-Superman first meeting there. And uh, it, it's not brilliant. It, it, it's, it, it feels like an animated show rather than a movie. Um, but there's just, there's just great little moments. One of them that really stuck out was um, when they first meet, Clark immediately looks under Batman's cowl using his X-ray vision. And, and uh, Conroy goes, you peaked. And then they have a sort of a tense discussion. And Batman sort of like prods soups in the chest. And then they go their separate ways. And then Clark gets back to his apartment and he's taken off his super suit. And then he notices a little bat tracker attached to his cloak and he looks out the window and it sort of tracks back and tracks back and tracks back and then you've got Batman several blocks away on top of a skyscraper looking at him with uh, binoculars and then just gives him a wave I peek too and it's just this great little moment of like they're both awesome at that point um, mm-hmm. and it's, there's a really it's the same way as they wrote the Ghostbusters sound, uh, the, the Ghostbusters script every time they had a great line they gave it to their friend in this, if they'd spent the whole time making Batman and Superman both look awesome, but giving them a really good reason to go at each other, but in a kind of, I'm going to take you down. Nuh-uh, if I'm going to take you down first, but not in a, I'm going to kill you, there's no way that wouldn't have been more appreciated than what we actually got. Mm, yeah. yeah. 
You know, just it doesn't have to be fun. It doesn't have to be jokey joke making necessarily. They don't have to copy Marvel. Why not just have two guys who are extremely dedicated but on opposite sides and their pursuit and evasion of each other using heat as your model? You could even have that really great moment where before they actually go at each other, there's a, a moment of clarity between them where they actually meet on non-combative grounds and for the first time talk to each other and kind of feel each other out just you know with a quiet unspoken you and I are about to clash but I kind of want to know the person before this escalates you know, that, that would be even, even more significant than the heat flavour of the Dark Knight and with that you also get them to directly clash ideologies from the heart not just what Lex Luthor is trying to manipulate them both into thinking you get to really see the meat of who they are and how they differ on things. Where their, where their bright line lies. But no, instead it's Batman deciding that there is no chance of any negotiation. He absolutely must kill Superman. And Superman himself doesn't seem particularly interested in making clear what he wants for the world. He never speaks out, really. He just seems to be pained and annoyed and bored of humanity already. Which is really boring, and that's why it's not very successful. By the way, all of this storytelling stuff that I come up with every time I'm really frustrated with a movie and which way it didn't go, uh, doesn't go to waste. You know, when I voice it on the podcast, I bank this stuff and I use it in New Century. It's allowed me to tell some really good stories, so uh, if you like the kind of stuff I'm talking about, listen to New Century. It's really good. So yeah, I think ultimately um, a friend of mine, Matt Wetter, said that you know, watching this film was like he, he wanted his two favourite flavours of ice cream but then they heat all of these other flavours on top of them and then sprinkles hundreds and thousands and loads of different syrups and he can't taste the two flavours anymore because there's so much crap on top of them. And that's actually a really good summation of the movie. Yeah. <sighs> so well done, Matt Wedder. You did in one tweet what we took three hours <laughs> to not quite say. And, uh, and yeah, that's it. Now, if this is all raucous music to your ears and you want a really unusual psychological look at The Dark Knight, I recommend listening to my original audio drama, Batman Breakdown. I produced it in 2012, just before The Dark Knight Rises came out in the cinema, and it's set in the old DC universe, just after Under the Red Hood, but before the New 52. It's one hour long, and in basic terms, Alfred is killed suddenly and unexpectedly, and Bruce suffers a mental collapse. Then, after privately seeking a therapist as Batman, he realizes he just can't do it anymore, because that's what would actually happen if Batman saw a therapist. So what's to be done? How does he leave the Bat legacy? And what does the Joker feel about that? It is a painstakingly researched Elseworlds story that a lot of fans have found deeply satisfying. Although it gets like one-tenth the viewing figures on YouTube of my Killing Joke adaptation. At this stage, I could play you a clip of Batman Breakdown, but I'm actually going to play the full trailer for you at the very, very end. And speaking of uh, painstakingly researched Elseworlds story, Bob, you appeared in New Century uh, in uh, Arlington episode, I want to say 15? New Century is my ongoing audio drama series set at the end of an alternate 19th century. 
It deals with major sci-fi concepts, but with a focus on character development and dialogue. It's all woven together in this big, sweeping Marvel Cinematic Universe-style tapestry. So, Arlington, which Bob cameoed in, is book four in this series. And you can start with any of the books. If you want political intrigue, go for Arlington. If you want adventure, go for Tiger's Eye. If you want mystery, go for Secret Rooms. As class finished and the kids filed out, I was left with him as he put away his things and organized a stack of test answer sheets for marking. So there's got to be some reason why I've been put forward for this, because I surely didn't ask for it. One of your students is Senator Lieberman's son, correct? Little Stanley put in a good word for me. Senator Lieberman seems to think you're a responsible fellow. Good at putting things together. A fine speaker. You're sitting in an underfunded clubhouse with blackboards and my name on the sign outside. That's about the extent of it. What were you before you came to D.C.? I ran another school back in Boston. Before that, I served on the Mayor Lincoln. That's Fred, not Abraham. Before that, I worked at the Natural History section at a Boston museum. Before that, I attended the University of New Hampshire where I studied law, during which time I was expelled for punching the dean. Did a little time in jail after that one, went through a bad patch, got mixed up in some petty crime. Not proud of it, but you should probably know all this before you ask me to do anything important for you, because it's gonna come out anyway. May as well save everybody the trouble. What did the dean do? It doesn't matter. I could say anything to make you think better or worse of me at this point. I wish I could say I was standing up for the little guy, but the truth is, I was 18, fired up, and if I could go back now and slap the taste out of my mouth to prevent that moment from happening, yeah, I would. But by the time you ended up here, you were good and respectable. Well, I I don't know about respectable. A little less stupid, maybe. So, Bob and Jerome, and Sharon as well, uh, if you would like to plug whatever you're doing right now, go for it. Uh, Bob first. Uh, I'm on uh, doing news and uh, features at uh, Screen Rant, and uh, I have my uh, my regular reviews going up on my YouTube channel under Movie Bob. my uh, show Really That Good, which will be uh, tackling the original Christopher Reeve Superman as soon as I can get that written, and... Uh, you know, many other things happening. Check me out on the uh, web and uh, follow me on Twitter at, at the underscore movie bomb. I cannot wait for that really that good on Superman. I love, of all of the things you do, which are loads and loads that I love, I really love really that good. It's Thank you. brilliant. Hmm. Great stuff. Uh, Jerome, go for it. Uh, you can find me over at Game Burst, um, where we do a weekly news show on the Sunday and a roundtable replay or quiz on the Thursday. Um, we've got a plate of Rise of the Tomb Raider, so be sure to tune in to hear our thoughts on that. Will do. I, I actually haven't played Rise of the Tomb Raider yet. Okay, I'll play it, then listen to your show. Thank you for giving me a good reason. Um, and Sharon, well, at long last, your show is doing something that I really, really love. <laughs> um, I, well, I, I haven't had that one confirmed yet, so I probably oh God, shouldn't right. mention that one. Um, but in addition to School of Movies and New Century, you can also find me on the Eclectic podcast um, on the Geek Planet Online website. Our most recent iTunes available podcast is on the anime series Death Note. And the Patreon, you can also get the episode that we did on Fight Club. 
Okay, right. Um, and that is it for us on Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. Can we stop talking about it now, <laughs> please? <laughs> and I yes. guess we'll, Shannon and I will be back with uh, Suicide Squad since we must. Um, I, Bob, from the sounds of it, is looking forward to it a hell of a lot more than I am. But um, I mean, it, it could be good. I could love it, you know. It's separate enough that I'll probably watch yeah. it. And uh, we will be doing a, uh, a re-edited version of that podcast with new jokes added in at a later date. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, If we had the uh, budget of one of others. Okay, right. And uh, we will be back next week with... Oh, actually, no. We've got a really, really great episode coming up on The Hero's Journey, which we'll be putting out just before Civil War. Definitely listen to that one because we really worked our bollocks off to research that one. And, Sounds uh, good. It's, it's good. Thank you. Um, okay, right. Thank you very, very much, Bob and Jerome and Sharon. And to play us out, rather than music from Batman v Superman, this is the first four minutes of Batman Breakdown, which is available in its entirety on this very podcast feed and on YouTube. I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Sharon Shaw. And school's School's out. out. How can I help you, sir? Hello, my name is Alfred Pennyworth, and I'd like to make a withdrawal. B. He's laying down on the ground. Bruce, can you hear me? You, lady, on the ground now. Wait, hold on a moment. Look at her leg. She needs help. Miss, may I? Thank you. Hey, buddy, did you not hear what I said? Ground, now. Arms by your sides. Do not reach for that. You, fill this bag up. You got 30 seconds. Bruce... I can't even begin to imagine how you feel right now. I said stop! No! No! You pressed the alarm, didn't you? Didn't you? I was watching the lady the whole time, and she did as you told her. Alright, now listen. The police are outside, and things have changed. What? Shut the hell up, old man! You can't get away clean. If that was ever possible, it's gone now. But you can do one or two things to make sure everybody walks out of here alive. They're going to come in here within the next minute, and at that point, you need to be on your knees with your weapon on the floor. Who are you? I'm just a man who's seen too many situations like this go wrong. You can make it go right. But you've got to talk to us. Why are you out here tonight? Yeah, no way. No way I'm out of here. Open up the back. I'm taking her with me. No, you're not. Look, if you do what I'm suggesting, nobody gets hurt. You made a mistake. Don't make a far worse one. You gotta promise everything will be okay. Make it right. I will. Give me the gun. Come on, son. Police! On the ground! Now! He meant the world to you. Yes. Oh, God, sir. I'm so sorry. Lie still. You've been shot. You were braver than any man I've ever met. I'm, I'm due back at Wayne Manor. Master Bruce will be waking up. Get this man some medical attention. What's your name, young lady? Estelle. 
Estelle. Can you tell him? We're burying him on Friday. Let Robin do the patrol tonight. Let Huntress. I can get Nightwing. For, for God's sake, I can get Dick to do this. Just go home. I'm fine. No, you're not. I don't like this. Morty should have been back by now. Will you relax? We got this sewn up. The bat! Typical. You goddamn bottom-feeding son of a bitch. I, I give up already! Always pulling out your guns like you think they're gonna save you. Tim, get over there. I can hear. I'll be there in 30 seconds. You think that just because you've got the power to take something, oh. that you have the right to? Bruce, God sake, listen to me. He's down. Cut him and leave. And when I take that power away, what do you learn? What do you learn? Nothing. Jesus Christ, I'm almost there. It's just the same cycle every night. Tim, I think he's got the gun. Batman? What if I change it? Oh. What if I take the power away from you? For good. I'm here. Batman! Oh, thank you! Shut up! How dare you! Batman, look what you're doing. Look what you nearly did. Look at me. Look at me! I... can't. Oracle and I are worried sick. We all are. You need to come home. I can't do this anymore.